Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Guys, welcome back for another episode. Sorry for no episode for a while now. Uh, This has been like three days, but I tried. Over the weekend, it was really busy. I know I got to try getting out at least one episode between Saturday and Sunday. I got to get at least two out between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because I'm just so busy on the weekdays. I get out like one, it feels like. So I'm sorry about that. I tried doing an episode last night, and this episode's by far my longest, and it just took me a while. This is basically a two-day project. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about the Antonio Brown news, uh, because that's kind of dying down now, I know, but I gotta get my two cents in there about that. It's still pretty big news. Cut by the Raiders. He's now on my Patriots. How do I feel about that? Then I'm going to do a complete review of every sun, uh, and every NFL game, basically this week besides Thursday Night Football, because we reviewed that on the last podcast episode on Friday. So Sunday night, Monday Night Football. We're going to review all that. I know the Dave Dombrowski news and the Red Sox. Hopefully, I can get to that next episode. Hopefully, we get a little more news on, like, what happened. Maybe we got a new GM by then. I don't know. But uh, for for today, it was just so long of an episode that that just would have been too much. Uh, It took a long time, so I hope you guys enjoy. So, first, we are going to start with the Antonio Brown news. So, let's get to that. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. The Antonio Brown saga has just got crazier. Now, I know, now this is a little late, I know. It's dying down now, we get it, Antonio Brown, you are starting to get used to it. It's still crazy, don't get me wrong, I know, but I still gotta get my two cents in there. If I'm a day or two late, I still think it's good news, and I gotta get to it, especially as a Patriots fan. If you sign with the Seahawks, if you sign with the Bengals, it doesn't matter, I don't know, Seahawks, Bengals, they played yesterday. I was just writing name, uh, naming random teams, no matter where Antonio Brown went, I was gonna talk about it. Patriots or not, no Patriots, but... This is crazy. You already saw what was going on with the helmet. Like, we all thought the helmet stuff was crazy. That was two weeks ago. That was only a little over two weeks ago. Now it was about two and a half weeks ago. But the Antonio Brown saga has got even crazier. Two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, we thought this was crazy. We thought, yeah, this guy's starting to really get delusional. I mean, just a list of stuff that he's done. And he started to cool down those first few months that he was in Oakland, but he's just gone wild. The helmet was a lot for us to take in, okay? And it has got much worse. I mean, he finally comes back, then he gets fined by his GM, he posts the fine on Instagram, and then he threatens to punch, uh, smack Mike Mayock in the face, punch a ball and says, you won't uh, find me for that. Something just coming off the top of my head. There's been so much going on in, in the NFL and just with Antonio Brown. Then he posts on his, you know, then he makes this emotional letter, emotional apology. Then later that day, he posts a video of his phone call with the Raiders, which is just crazy that he would do that. And then two days ago, that morning, he tells the Raiders to release him on Instagram, and then the Raiders release him, and he just goes crazy. I mean, he's just like, Grandma, the Ra- I'm free, I'm free. Oh, just this guy is a knucklehead, and I'm not going to change my point of view on him just because he's a New England Patriot. I'm not all of a sudden going to be one of those Patriots fans who said two, three days ago, oh, this guy's a whack job, and now that we signed him, oh, yeah, this guy's totally fine. No, I'm not going to be one of those guys because I said he was a whack job. And to be honest, I well, I was kind of baffled 
when the Patriots signed him. But Antonio Brown did not deserve to get signed that quick. Because, to me, I kind of look at this situation and kind of look at it as, well, Antonio Brown acted like a six-year-old, threw a temper tantrum to get his way out of Oakland, and then was rewarded with, a few hours later, a not as good of a contract, but still a very good contract from the best team in the NFL. And, he, you know, just, that's crazy. You've got to wait at least a little bit. I think Antonio Brown really deserved to not be able to play at least this first half of the season by the way he behaved. And instead, Antonio Brown, yes, he did get released by the Raiders and gave up $29 million. But instead, yeah, he gets a little less. But for the way he behaved, he's worth that much money, really. Here's his contract. A $15 million contract and a $9 million signing bonus. He got around the same contract he had in Oakland. He took a few million dollars of a cut, but I think Antonio Brown's just such a big figure. He, it's worth it. It's fine. It's, it's not, it's not the end of the world. I know a few million dollars sounds like a lot to us, but for Antonio Brown, it is not the end of the world. Believe it or not. And so Antonio Brown, you know, throws his temper tantrum to get his way out of Oakland. Throws this one of the worst temper tantrums in sports history, and then gets a similar contract just a few hours later from the best team in the league. He didn't deserve that at all. It is an absolute disgrace the way this man behaved, and he does not deserve it. After the way he acted, he does not deserve a similar contract just a few hours later from a big team. He should have had to sit there, sit back, and realize what he was doing was wrong. Because now all of a sudden, when you get cut, even it doesn't matter how talented you are. When you throw that type of tantrum, temper tantrum, get cut, and then get a similar, con- not as good, but a similar contract, from multiple teams just hours later, that makes him think, well, what I'm doing is fine. Because Antonio Brown doesn't realize what he's doing is wrong. So someone needs to make him realize that. And with NFL teams going after him just right off the bat, once he got released, a ton of teams giving him similar contracts right off the bat is not going to make him learn his lesson. All that's going to make him think is, well, that's the way to get off the team. That's that. That's how I did it. You know what? That's how I can do it. If I'm not happy where I am, I throw a temper tantrum. They release me. I'll get a similar contract somewhere else. Deal, because that's how good I am. That's how Antonio Brown looks at it. He doesn't realize how crazy and delusional this man is, that him he is. He just doesn't realize it, and that's what he needs. He needed teams. No one to ring no one to give him a phone call not even for a cheap cheap contract and I know NFL teams don't care as much as we do about teaching Antonio Brown a lesson here I'm sure maybe the Raiders do maybe the Steelers do maybe some AB fans some NFL fans some NFL teams wanted AB to learn a lesson but most of those teams are going to sit there we can't wait to turn to learn a lesson we're giving him a contract he's a hot commodity and he's that good most players in the NFL throw that type of temper tantrum and they'll never play again. But Antonio Brown just shows how good he is. That he can throw that type of temper tantrum and still get on Bill Belichick's roster and get up to $24 million, just $5 million less than he would have got in Oakland. I think his contract was around $32 million, but $29 million guaranteed. So it's not too big of a pay cut. So... I just think for Antonio Brown, he's not going to learn that lesson. And I know he's a NFL player, but he's no professional. And he needs to turn into that type of player. Because one day, and the the talent for Antonio Brown will not be there one day. Okay, he'll obviously, until he's 40-something, 
he he you know won't be NFL material. I think Antonio Brown, talent wise, could be NFL material for a long time. Even at wide receiver, I think he could be NFL material for a long time. I mean, right now he is thirty one. He turned thirty one just two months ago. I think he could be NFL material till he's thirty. 637 at least, at very least. I'm, I'm not even kidding. But Antonio Brown, if he continues to act like a knucklehead, he's not going to be around the league for too much longer because teams are only willing to put up for it. It's kind of like a, I don't want to say supply and demand, but here's what you have to do. You have to sit there for an NFL team. Okay, what's the price I have to pay for this? Okay, how bad, you know, teams look at it, they look at how much you're going to have to pay him and how much you're going to have to put up with him. And a lot of teams out there think it's worth to give him another shot and it's worth putting up with his behavior and giving him a big contract uh, for his talent. In a few years, I don't think it'll be that way. I don't. And it's not that his stats are necessarily dipping. They aren't. The stats are relatively the same. But in a few years, he's starting to regress, okay? Antonio Brown will start to regress very soon. Within the next few seasons, his numbers are starting to go down. It, it may only be a matter of time, a few seasons, before Antonio Brown is out of the league. I think if he messes up in New England, there could be a serious talk because uh, New England's a place where you're disciplined the most. If, if they can't discipline him in New England, is he going to be disciplined anywhere? I think that's to the point where NFL teams kind of shy away from him. And I still think there will be one or two that will go after him if things don't work out in New England. I do. Uh, You know, there's just too much talent there, and there are a lot of desperate teams. The Patriots are going after him, even with one more slip-up. I think there will still be teams interested in him, but he can't continue doing this because his career that could last for at least six, seven more seasons may only have, a you know, one, two, maybe three, four left in the tank. And I know I just went one, two, maybe three, even four. But if he continues his behavior, once he starts to regress, teams are kind of, kind of, kind of sit there and say, "Well, his talents no longer worth putting up with this crap for." You know, and yeah, his contract will go down as his talent goes down. But teams are going to kind of look at it. The contract is something, just an X factor you can sit, set aside. The biggest part is with Antonio Brown. At least, yes, the contract plays a factor, but talent versus behavior and a lot of teams in the league think it's worth putting up with this behavior for his talent in a few years it will not be that way because once he starts to regress if he continues this behavior it's not going to be worth it anymore you've got to be an elite player for a team to want to pay you the big bucks and sign you pay you it all to be on their team if you're going to have that type of behavior so that just kind of shows how good he is but he has to change because if he does he's not disciplined new england a lot of teams are going to shy away uh, and then I kind of look at things for Oakland before I touch up on the Patriots step chart now and what that adds for the New England Patriots. Nothing good came out of this for Oakland. They made the trade figuring we get a star receiver, only a third and a fifth round pick. You know, it, add, it may add to more fans because that's a big time player. We need that big time player, right? We just don't have any playmakers. We don't have any big time names. And they just want to kind of on a shopping spree. Although I just don't think uh, the Raiders had I thought the Raiders had a pretty bad offseason. It just got even worse. I thought the Trent, uh, what's his name, Trent Brown signing was horrible uh, that they made. I just, I just think Dante Scarnecchia turned him into something good for one season. Uh, the Tyrell Williams signing wasn't bad, but overall, like their their draft was eh. I didn't mind the Josh Jacobs uh, pick. 
Jonathan Abram wasn't horrible. Cleveland Farrell, four. Now this, I mean, you just basically threw away a pick, two picks, for a guy who never played for you and just caused drama. The one good thing maybe the Raiders gain out of this is a little bit of drama that helps hard knocks, that helps get them a little bit of attention out there in Oakland. But overall, it's a huge loss for Oakland. You just threw away a third and a fifth round draft pick that could go pay dividends. They have so many holes on that team. I mean, for any team, you don't want to trade a third and a fifth round pick for a player who never plays for you and cause that much drama along with it. So I'm just like, wow. And not to mention, now all of a sudden, you don't look very stable. When free agents look at an NFL team, yes, first they look at the money. Then they start to look at, uh, you know, front office stability, ownership stability. And they and out there in Oakland, they don't look very stable. They never really have, okay? Oakland is not have the best reputation. Before Antonio Brown, they didn't have the greatest reputation. And, you know, it's clear to see that. Now it just got even worse with the Antonio Brown thing. And I know some players will look at it and say, well, that guy is just he's something else. I mean, it will help. If the Patriots can't put up with Antonio Brown, you won't have too much to shame with the Raiders. And when I look at it, I'm not shaming the Raiders. They made what at the time looked like a good trade. We all thought that. And they handled the A-B situation very well. John Gruden stayed calm about it, didn't cause a scene. Mike Mayock just fined him for something every other NFL player gets fined for. You missed mandatory meetings. And overall, they handled the situation well. If you ask me, that's a positive to take out of it that not many will. People are overall going to look at it. They don't look very stable. They never have, and that didn't look them, make them look any more stable. When I look at it, though, I don't think they're very stable. But I do look at it and say they handled that situation pretty well. Okay? He has to be released. They released him. They didn't cause a big scene about it. And yes, AB caused a big scene, so it was hard, you know, to get away from it. But they didn't, you know, they weren't... You get what I mean. You know, John Gruden wasn't making a big scene at, you know, press conferences. There wasn't leaked news that him, Mike Mayock, you know, Mike Mayock struck back or anything. They called, you know, they handled it well. They called AB. We obviously heard the phone call. John Gruden was like, listen, what is going on? Do you want to be on o- the Oakland Raiders? Just hear AB like, what do you mean? Do I want to be on the Oakland Raiders? Shouldn't you guys want me to, you know, like just being his cocky self? But now I move over to the Patriots before we end this segment. You know, how does this affect the New England Patriots? Obviously, we saw them destroy the Steelers last night. Uh, but it just looked, you know, their wide receiver depth chart is all of a sudden very good. There are still some question marks there, though, because, you know, you look at uh, Julian Edelman. You know, first of all, let's just start with Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman has to stay healthy, right? He's the first kind of question mark. You know, how much has he regressed, uh, I guess you could say? Uh, people think he is starting to regress. I mean, he had six catches for 83 yards last night, so he still looked uh, very good. But people just kind of look at that like, are you going to start regressing? What's going on with this injury issue? And then you look at it, Antonio Brown. I mean, that's the you know obvious question mark. We just saw what happened in Oakland. Can you behave? Bill Belichick's not going to put up with that type of behavior, which could lead you to getting suspended, released, all that type of stuff. Maybe even traded again. I don't know. So, you know, you got to look at that. He's a big question mark. You got to stay on that straight line. Josh Gordon's the same thing, obviously. Uh, he had a great game yesterday. He got the touchdown, three catches for 73 yards. I, th- I thought he was very good. But, you know, can you, you know, stop getting suspended, for God's sake, and, you know, get off whatever you're on and just 
play football, you know, and I know it's tough to say for a guy like him. He's just gone through a lot. And then you got to look at other guys like Philip Dorsett. Isn't a huge question mark. I feel like you're going to get just solid production whenever he's out there. But can you handle more snaps? Like, can we – I think this is more for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Can we use Philip Dorsett a little more? I'd like to see Dorsett get a few more targets. And Brady loves Dorsett. There's a great connection there. He gives you great production when he's on the field. He's probably your fourth receiver, honestly, uh, at this point. You know, somewhere between three and five. It's obviously not passing Edelman or uh, Brown. Probably not Gordon, honestly. So it's probably four to five. But, you know, can can he play a little more? Demarius Thomas, obviously, the injuries. How will he fit in New England? And Jacoby Myers, I guess after that, I mean, Jacoby Myers is mostly a guy who's just going to come in here, play a few snaps here and there, but just get ready to be that next guy. He showed us great things in the preseason. We took you onto the roster. We don't expect too much this season, but just give us plays here and there when we need him. Come in as a depth guy, just develop in our system. But overall, I think this just adds another dimension to this Patriots offense. You look at their tight ends. I mean, you know, they don't have a great tight end core. They don't have the, you know, those, those. I don't have that Rob Gronkowski. Now all of a sudden with Antonio Brown, I think it adds that other dimension that they really, really needed. Josh Gordon was your big, you know, deep threat outside the numbers type of receiver. I know Philip Dorsett can play that role, but he's a smaller guy. You know, I'm talking like a big, you know, outside the numbers deep threat, like that big guy. That was Josh Gordon. Now, all of a sudden, Josh Gordon can kind of play a Rob Gronkowski role. Now, not in exactly the blocking game, a uh, blocking aspect of things. I think they still got to find that guy, that tight end that can just block. I don't even care. You pick someone off of the practice squad that can't catch a ball for his life, but can block. I'd love that. And I know the thing with Rob Gronkowski was, you know, it's going to be hard to find a tight end that can block like him, but he could also catch the ball, so it kind of, you know, he's kind of that dual threat. But, I mean, even if you just find that tight end that can come in and just at least give you some of that versatility as well for a tight end, because you just don't want to throw six offensive linemen out there, because then that makes things obvious, you know, play call-wise. Obviously, if you can't catch a ball for his life, they're kind of going to expect the run or, you know, six offensive linemen in a way. But I kind of just look at it also that that's another dimension because Josh Gordon is that all of a sudden can play that Gronk role. Uh, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's not, you know, as big as Gronk. He's obviously kind of slimmer, Josh Gordon is, but he's still big. He's strong. He's a beast. And I think he can play somewhat of that role that Rob Gronkowski did. Not all the time. Not as good as Gronk, but somewhat if he can just stay on the field. Now, the tough thing is if Josh Gordon all of a sudden gets suspended in week five or week six and he's done for the year, now all of a sudden you got to switch up the game plan. But I'm not too concerned because Belichick does it time and time again. And I think you've got some solid depth there at wide receiver. It's a little thin at the moment. But now all of a sudden Antonio Brown can play that role Josh Gordon did, but even better. So now all of a sudden you basically sat there with no big like Gronkowski and Josh Gordon on the outside. Now you slide Josh Gordon to give you at least somewhat of a Rob Gronkowski and you put an even better outside the numbers wide receiver in Antonio Brown. So all of a sudden that adds another dimension because now all of a sudden you go from no Gronk to somewhat of a Gronk by sliding Josh Gordon over from the outside to uh, more of a Gronk role and then Antonio Brown is an upgrade over Josh Gordon outside the numbers. Josh Gordon's still great when he's on the field. I mean, he's got a lot of potential, but Antonio Brown's hard to argue with. Uh, These receivers just got to stay on a straight line. So that is my take on the Antonio Brown news. So now we are going to get to my NFL Sunday review. So let's get to that. Okay, so the first NFL Sunday in the books. And to start things off, I'm just going to go through every single game 
uh, some takeaways uh, and whatnot. And I'm going to start with the Chiefs-Jaguars game. Starting with the Chiefs here. Uh, I mean, Sammy Watkins, man. Sammy Watkins just went off yesterday. Nine catches for 198 yards, three touchdowns. I remember my friend sat him on his bench. He had like 42 points. I don't know if we can expect this from Sammy Watkins every week, but with um, what's his face, Tyreek Hill going down with his injury, we can expect solid play from Sammy Watkins. Uh, Watkins obviously had potential coming out of college, and you know he's more of he's a bit inconsistent, but he's still a solid wide receiver. But you know, this is such a high-powered offense. You got Mahomes obviously under center, but they've you know they've got some good running backs, Amy Williams, LaShawn McCoy, and then they've got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and they've all got other guys, you know, like uh Miko Hardman, who they like to use, uh Demarcus Robinson at times. So they've got other guys, so it's hard for Sammy Watkins to always get, you know, big games like this. And he won't. This will probably be his biggest game of the year. At least second biggest game, you know, but such such a great game. And Patrick Mahomes, oh, my God. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is great, uh, as always, uh, obviously. But he obviously had that injury that people got concerned about. But, no, I mean, Patrick Mahomes just went off. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, 10 carries for 81 yards. That seemed to be a great pickup. 8.1 yards a carry. I mean, you gave this guy 10 carries. He gave you very good production. And obviously, the offensive line plays a factor. Being in a high-powered offense plays a factor. Sean McCoy is not the same player he used to be a few seasons ago. But last season, Buffalo, I said this a few podcasts ago when I talked about the Sean McCoy uh, cut. He was in a Buffalo offense with a just no power at all. Like They had a bad offensive line. They had no weapons in the receiving core. They didn't have a very good quarterback. Now, he's got arguably the best quarterback in the league, a better offensive line, a ton of weapons, not only in the backfield with him, but in the receiving core as well, and I think that opens things up for LaShawn McCoy. Damian Williams had a touchdown, but he only had 13 carries for 26 yards. It kind of looks like LaShawn McCoy could take that starting role in a way. I mean, Williams did struggle. McCoy was very good on the other hand. Kelsey also had three catches for 88 yards. But Damian Williams did have six catches for 39 yards, so he did show something there. And then overall, the Chiefs' defense was not very good yesterday. They had one sack by Emmanuel Ogba, and they let up 26 points to the Jaguars, which featured eight eight throws from Nick Foles. Uh, and now I'm going to get to Nick Foles just getting hurt. I mean, he could be done for the year, and my prediction was the Jags were going to make the playoffs. Now I'm going to try to stand by that prediction, but it's going to be very hard with no Nick Foles. Now, I wasn't shocked that they lost this week. It would have been great to win against one of, if not your toughest opponent of the year. Get a good, you know, tempo going and win that one game that Nick Foles may give you, even though it's only eight throws. But Foles came in, goes five for eight, 75 yards. The touchdown, touchdown pass, obviously, is the one where he got hurt. Uh, and then Gardner Minshew came in, 22 for 25, 275 yards, two touchdowns and interception. He almost threw two t- interceptions. Uh, I... Didn't follow Gardner Minshew, but I knew about him when he came out of college. The guy's 23 years old, 6'1", 225. He gives solid height. Uh, and I thought, you know, he could, he, he could be a solid backup for his career. He's never going to be anything special. Uh, but they did just trade for Josh Jobs. So, obviously, uh, I wouldn't say the Jags have no belief in Gardner Minshew because he did just have a solid game, and they did draft him. But, listen, I think it was a bit of a fluke. He's facing one of the worst defenses in the league. 
Overall, I don't know how much you can take out of that. Get a guy in Josh Dobbs, who has been uh, with the Steelers for a while now. Leonard Fournette, 13 carries for 66 yards. It's 5.1 yards a carry. I mean, he really set the tone in the run game. I would like to see Fournette get more and more carries as the year progresses, uh, especially with no Nick Foles. I think with Nick Foles, Fortnite really needs to set the run game and set the tone there, but the Jaguars want a shot at the playoffs. Not only is their defense have to be a little more disciplined than it was yesterday, their defense is going to be just fine. The Chiefs offense is so hard to stop, but they have to be a little more disciplined with the offense. I mean, it's going to be tough. Like, Nick Foles is going to be an upgrade over Blake Bortles. Now, all of a sudden, if he's done for the year, you're going to, you know, your quarterback may be worse than Blake Bortles was last year. Overall, you don't have a great receiving core either. Leonard Fournette really needs to set the tone in the run game, take pressure off the pass game, and make them a little more high-powered on offense, give them a little more ball security. Hopefully, he can at least take 15 carries a game uh, as the season progresses. Hopefully, that number goes up only 13. But, you know, you just week one, want to ease him back into things. That's fine. But, I mean, he had a good game for the 13 carries he had, but he's going to need to take more carries, you know, score at least a touchdown. So, I'd like to uh, a little more from him just in that sense. I mean, DJ Chark came in four catches, 146 yards, a touchdown from Nick Foles. He saw Chris Conley, six catches, 97 yards, one touchdown, the old for uh, Chief. And then you saw James O'Shaughnessy, four catches for 32 yards. D.D. Westbrook, five catches, 30 yards, a touchdown. People like him this year. Leonard Fournette did get four catches for 28 yards out of the backfield, though. Geoff Swam also, four receptions, 17 uh, yards, excuse me. But the one thing about this game, one sack by the Chiefs. That was it. There was just, there wasn't a ton of pressure uh, in the trenches. In both of the trenches, you saw really the offensive line dominate uh, both sides. I was a little surprised the Jaguars didn't get more pressure, like zero sacks. Uh, but then again, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this guy can scramble. He gets the ball out quick. Uh, but I'd like to see the Jacksonville Jaguars defense really step up uh, in that sense, just because, uh, you know. That defense, zero sacks, and also they need to be more disciplined. Like Miles Jack, like getting yourself thrown out of that game, they need to be more disciplined as well. Now I'm going to be moving on. It's always going to glitch like this. Uh, Falcons versus Vikings game. Wow, I picked the Falcons to win this game. I'm really a Falcons believer going into this game. I wasn't a huge believer just because I felt like they have some holes and Boy, the Falcons did not look very good yesterday. I mean, Matt Ryan, 33 for 46, 304 yards, two picks, two touchdowns. He didn't make up for it at the end of the game, though. He really struggled at the beginning. And I wouldn't say it was all Matt Ryan's fault. I mean, you kind of saw that offensive line was just bad. I mean, you're playing a pretty good Vikings defense. Their offensive line just could not step up. I was hoping it would be a little better. The interior line has to do better. When you put interior pressure on really any quarterback, especially Matt Ryan, they are going to struggle. They need better interior uh, line, but Matt Ryan did step up at the in the fourth quarter with two touchdowns, one to Calvin Ridley, one to Leo Jones. He stepped up on fourth down at the end, but it just wasn't enough. The game was over by then, and they were 0 for 2 on two-point conversions. Then in the run game, Devontae Freeman, eight carries, 19 yards. Ugh, that's just an ugly, ugly stat line. Devontae Freeman coming back from his injury. I wasn't the biggest believer. I used to really like Devontae Freeman after these injuries. I'm not really sure. That Edo Smith uh, pick looks like a good pay, dividend, pay dividends. You only gave him six carries, but he gave you a pretty good sample size of 31 yards. I think Edo Smith could continue to play a bigger, bigger role because you just saw it. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick in the 2018 draft, so obviously he's got some value there. And he might just be their best option. Devontae Freeman, eight carries for 19 yards and a fumble. Edo Smith definitely showed us 
uh, better things with his only six carries. He had more yards, uh, less fumbles, and more yards to carry, obviously. Uh, and then receiving, Austin Hooper had the big day, nine catches for 77 yards. I had him on my fantasy team, but I mean, he was the hot target. He's really the only one that Matt Ryan seemed to consistently click with. I mean, yeah, Calvin Ridley had four catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. I'm not saying he had a bad day, but Austin Hooper really seemed like the go-to type of guy in a way. Don't get me wrong, get Calvin Ridley had a solid game. Mohamed Sunu had five catches for 57 yards. Julio Jones had a pretty good game, six catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown. I think they had connections there, but I want to see other guys step up out of that big three plus Austin Hooper. I think Hooper, they, they kind of go in it as one of the better receiving cores. I mean, I, we saw Justin Hardy. I think he's a great fourth option to have four catches, 41 yards. But overall, I mean, they don't need a ton of depth. Uh, as long as like Julio can stay healthy and Sanu can hold up the four to set third guy. I just kind of look at those things as long as they can stay healthy. That passing attack's deadly, but they need a better run game. They need to establish that run game. They need a better interior line. And the defense, it, it needs to step up. I mean, their defense wasn't horrible yesterday. They had one sack, no turnovers forced. That was a Vikings offense. That's pretty good, and you only gave it 28 points. But they were overall mediocre yesterday, and they need to step it up. I mean, if the Falcons defense is going to get worse for here, they're in trouble. They need to get a little better. I'm not saying they were horrible yesterday. It's a solid Vikings offense. You only gave up 28 points first week. I'm not panicking, but, I mean, this defense should be better than it was last year. I know you lost Desmond Trufant and all that. But you still got guys. You've got guys returning from injury. You've got to be better than you were last season. You've got to be a little better than you were this season. I'm not expecting you to be a top five defense or anything like that, but they've got to step up. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And the Falcons, I'm a little scared. Vikings Vikings could do some damage. Uh, they're the only team in there. To, never mind. Take that back. I forgot the Packers and Bears. And then we move over to the Titans and Browns. Boy, was this an ugly contest for the Browns. But overall, they sticked in it for a while. Uh, first, I'll start with the Titans, so the winning team. Marcus Mariota, 14 for 24, 248 yards, three touchdowns. Marcus Mariota balled out in the opener against a solid Browns team and defense, although overhyped. But this is a make-or-break season for Marcus Mariota. 14 for 24 is a pretty steady, you know, nothing to brag about, but it's pretty steady. But the 248 yards, three touchdowns, not to mention he scrambled three times for 24 yards. Marcus Mariota had a great game yesterday, and he's trying to prove his worth and try to prove the Tennessee Titans. I am your franchise guy. If he does not prove that this season, if he continues to be Marcus Mediocre, then he may not be their quarterback next year. He may not be their starter next year. He has to stay healthy. He has to keep continue playing this way week in and week out. You know, he can have a you know bad week or two, obviously. But if he continues to play like this for the season, he could prove the Titans uh, and me wrong. I just don't think he's their guy. Uh, Derrick Henry in the rush game, 19 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, 4.4 yards a carry is very good when you carry the ball 19 times against a solid Browns defense. Didn't look great yesterday, but still, I think Derrick Henry is overrated. Um, not because he doesn't do much out of the backfield. I know he had that 175-yard catch, but I feel like his run last year against the Jaguars, super overrated in those last few weeks. Don't get me wrong. I think Derrick Henry is a good running back. He won the Heisman. I get it. I think he has talent as a power back. I think he's a good running back to have as a starter. He's nothing spectacular, but he's good, and he can continue to develop for the Tennessee Titans and be something elite uh, one day, but I just think he's a little overrated, but he did uh, have a very good game 
yesterday. And then, really, no one else really ran the ball. I mean, Deion Lewis had three carries, seven yards. Jonu Smith had a 10-yard carry. Then receiving the ball, A.J. Brown, three catches for 100 yards. He proved his worth as a deep ball threat. Delaney Walker had two touchdowns, five catches, 55 yards. Everyone's saying Delaney Walker is washed up. He proved he is Marcus Mariota's go-to guy, right? Like, Corey Davis had no catches yesterday. He's proved to be bust. They don't have great receivers. Delaney Walker was a lot better a few years ago, but he's proved I'm not completely washed up yet. I'm still Marcus Mariota's favorite target. Feed me the ball. He's not going to put up two touchdowns every week. I don't even think he'll put up five receptions every week. I think this will be one of his better weeks, but still, he proved he's not as washed up as people think. And then Derrick Henry obviously had that one huge 75-yard catch. And then overall, defensively, they were very good. I mean, they forced three turnovers. Uh, They had what? Let me count up for a second. Uh, three, four, five, five sacks. So they put, I mean, I watched some of the game too. They put pressure on Marcus Mariota. I mean, three turnovers, five sacks, a very uh, good day, and only 13 points for the Browns. I thought the Titans defense was very good. I mean, I went into the season, I said, the Titans defense, I'd say they're a little over average. You know, I'd say like on the over, you know, there's average, and then there are, you know, a few tiers a uh, few bars I guess you'd say like if average is 50% they're probably around 60% you know they're a little over average I think they're gonna be you know top 13 12 defense in the league they'll be one of the better defenses right and they they proved me that they're maybe even better than that and I think maybe I was sleeping on the Titans defense like I knew the talent was there and I knew they'd do solid but just not top eight. I don't know, but maybe it could happen. I mean, they showed their worth. And then the Browns, I mean, what happened? I mean, really, you know, Baker Mayfield, 25 for 38, three interceptions, really, one touchdown, 285 yards. Baker, throughout the first three quarters, the Browns weren't horrible. I mean, let me do the Masters 19-22. It was 13-22 to going into the fourth quarter. The Browns were not out of it. Did the Browns play great for the first three quarters? No, but they weren't horrendous. And Baker Mayfield wasn't exactly horrendous either, but that fourth quarter, they blew it. Baker Mayfield really starts throwing those interceptions, and they just start to really fall apart. That loss was not as ugly as it looks. 43-13, to not as ugly as it looks. They were in the game for the first three quarters. Uh, Nick Chubb, 17 carries for 75 yards. Uh, similar day to Derrick Henry, just uh, didn't score the touchdown and didn't do as much out of the backfield. He did have three catches, but just didn't have the 75-yard catch. Doesn't have the yards and the uh, touchdowns to back it up. Uh, you saw Dontrell Hilliard have that one uh, four-yard touchdown carry. I That was at the beginning of the game. I was a little surprised. Like, is this going to be – is this Nick Chubb uh, not – playing that kind of goal line back role. You know, I wonder when Kareem Hunt comes back, will that be his role? I remember I was with the tip-off. It was his birthday the other day, his birthday, my birthday the day before, and we were watching this on Red Zone. He's, he's got hyped because he has Nick Chubb in one of his fantasy leagues. He says, no, that's not, that's not uh, Nick Chubb, which, you know, was a little surprising. Like, oh, who, who is this, you know? But he got that carry for the touchdown. OBJ, seven catches for 71 yards. They look really good at the beginning. OBJ starts to slow down. Jarvis Landry, four catches for 67 yards. I think the receiving core uh, duo of OBJ and Jarvis Landry is so overrated. Not the best in the league, in my opinion, like everyone else says. And hopefully in a future episode, I'll do my top 10 wide receiver duos or something, and I'll 
have a stat to back it up that I made up. Uh, and then you saw like David Njoku, four catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, people tend to forget about him just because of all the weapons they have on that offense. Don't forget about David Njoku. And overall, their defense just struggled. It, it really did. I mean, they got in there for what? four sacks yesterday, which wasn't bad. They put solid pressure on Marcus Mariota, but overall they were not that good, especially in the fourth uh, quarter. The Browns defense was not great yesterday. I wouldn't say they were horrendous. A lot of that's the offense's fault, like three picks, you know. They didn't give them a lot of support uh, by putting points on the board, but overall it was not a great day for the Browns offense or defense. And the Bills versus Jets, I mean, wow. What a comeback by the Buffalo Bills. And this is a Jets team that I didn't fully believe in, but I thought they were going to go 9-7 and have a solid season. I thought they were going to go either 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, or even maybe 7-9, uh, to be honest. I could see them sneaking the wild card, but that was a huge loss for them. Uh, first, I'll start with the winning team, the Bills. Josh Allen, 24 for 37, 254 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. I still do not believe in Josh Allen, but let me tell you, after that horrendous first half, he showed resilience, he showed guts, and I – Give Josh Allen credit where credit is due for that. Because although I don't believe in him, and I still don't, and he had a horrible first half, I mean, this is a guy who had a tough rookie year, has a bad first half. You're a young quarterback. That really gets in your head. He came out. He showed resilience. He showed toughness, bravery, and he led the Bills for that comeback. I wouldn't say he led them, but he did lift their spirits, play well in that second half. Devin Singletary only had four carries, but he went for 70 yards. He had a big run. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him get more carries. Like, Josh Allen scrambled 10 times, including 38 yards and touchdown. Frank Gore had most of the carries. They did not run the ball a lot. I mean, overall, they had 25 rushes, but excluding Josh Allen's 10, they only had 15 for their uh, split with their two running backs, Devin Singletary, Frank Gore. TJ Yeldon really didn't get in there much yesterday at all. And then in the receiving game, John Brown, seven catches, 123 yards and touchdown. He showed a connection with Josh Allen, Cole Beasley. The two new guys combined for 12 catches. Cole Beasley had five catches, 40 yards. Uh, he showed his worth uh, after coming from Dallas to Buffalo. Tommy Sweeney, two catches for 35 yards. He's out of Boston College. Devin Singletary, five catches, 28 yards. We know he can do things out of the backfield, mostly on checkdowns, uh, which is where he got most of his catches. And overall, their pass game didn't wow me. The Bills' offense didn't wow me, but they showed guts, resilience after four turnovers in the first half. Uh, that's crazy. And then they just came out there and, again, showed that resilience, made that comeback. Their defense overall was tough as nails yesterday, the Bills' defense. They were very good. Uh, let me add up. I have to add these up. Uh, two, three, four, four. Four. Four sacks yesterday. Uh, they couldn't force an interception, though, off of Sam Darnold. But overall, I give the Bills credit. I mean, they only allowed 16 points to a solid offense. I wouldn't call the New York Jets offense, like, uh, you know, dangerous or anything. But I wouldn't call it potent either. I think it's a solid offense and that they face, and they held them pretty well. And the Bills defense is pretty good and if the Bills are going to make the playoffs it's going to be in part to their defense playing really well and their offense may be stepping up a bit more than we thought if they do make the playoffs I don't think they will they made a nice comeback there with the Jets this was a big game for the Jets they're a team that is in the hunt for the playoffs at least I don't think they'll make it but this was a big game now losing this game that really hurts you need every game you can get for the Jets because it's going to be close and this game could really hurt them Sam Darnold 28 for 41 175 yards at touchdown he did not wow me at all yesterday I thought he should have got less 
throws as the game progressed. I mean, he's pretty efficient. He just is more just short passes. He just didn't show me a lot yesterday to Darnold for what I'm supposedly saying is going to be his breakout season. Le'Veon Bell, 17 carries for 16 yards. He also had six carries for 32 yards in his touchdown. Uh, first one since coming uh, from Pittsburgh. Six, first game in over 600 days he's scoring. And then overall, after that, no one else really rushed the ball. <laughs> it was all Le'Veon Bell. A few other rushes, but I'm not going to get to those. And receiving Jameson Crowder, 14 catches for 99 yards. I mean, Adam Gay said this is a guy that was going to go for 90 catches, and he's proving his worth. I mean, I want to pick him up. He's one of the top players in my fantasy. I want to pick him up. I have. I think he can be a PPR beast. But with that being said, I'm not going to overrate this performance. I don't think he'll ever get 14 catches in a game again, maybe once. But I just think he just had a very good game. Uh, he was finding open seams in the Bills' defense, and Josh Allen was hitting him. Uh, 14 catches, 99 yards, ain't too shabby for Jamison Crowder. And then obviously Le'Veon Bell, the six catches. Robbie Anderson, three catches for 23 yards. He didn't have a great game, a catch here and there, but overall didn't wow me with anything. Quincy Nuno, one catch for negative four yards. Overall, outside of Jameson Crowder, there was no production for receivers. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, yeah, six catches ain't bad for a running back, including the touchdown. But more people need to step up in that Jets receiving core. Like Robbie Anderson, I expect more. Quincy Noon, I expect more. Excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. I hope he said bless you. Okay, bless me. Bless me. But anyway... More of those guys have to have to step up in that Bills receiving core. There's, I mean, Bills, Jets receiving core. Jameson Crowder cannot carry the load like this every single game. I do think they will. That's a good Bills defense that they're going up against. Their defense overall wasn't bad, but C.J. Mosley was the heart and soul of that defense. It ran through C.J. Mosley. He had the interception, which went for a pick six. He's forcing fumbles, covering fumbles. Four tackles on the day. He was very, very good. CJ Mosley was their best player yesterday. Hands down, in my opinion. I think Jameson Crowder had a solid game, especially defensively, CJ Mosley. But then Mosley left the game and the Bills went off. CJ Mosley is the heart and soul of that Jets defense, and we could see it. And I don't want to make too many assumptions from week one, but from what I saw, their new uh, acquisition, CJ Mosley is the heart and soul of that Jets defense. Without him, they, they struggled. The defense runs through him. He's their main playmaker, it seems like. That guy's just getting sacks, he's forcing fumbles, getting tackles. He even got the interception. So, and once he came out, they did not look that good. It looked like everything ran through CJ Mosley. Everything it was attached to CJ Mosley. CJ Mosley does this, which opens up this for a player. And when CJ Mosley came out, they didn't have that caliber of a player, and I think it really hurt them. All right. So moving on to the next game, which is the Ravens and the Dolphins. Oh boy, the Lamar Jackson fanboys, the Lamar Jackson running back jokes that I hated, uh, may be finally gone. But I'm not going to overrate this performance. 17 for 20. Very efficient. That's 85%. 324 yards, 5 touchdowns. Lamar Jackson was spectacular yesterday. There is no doubt about it. And he threw the ball. I mean, Lamar Jackson only ran 3 times for 6 yards. And I am proud of Lamar Jackson. Let's give him a round of applause. Lamar Jackson, I am proud of you for going out there week 1 and proving you can throw the football. Then again, I am not told Lamar Jackson is still a great thrower. 324 yards, five touchdowns. He went off, but you were facing the Dolphins. I picked the Dolphins to win this game. Why, you say, Aiden? Well, I thought it would take the Dolphins a few weeks 
before they really gave up. And I thought Ryan Fitzmagic would have a solid game. I think the Ravens have a lot of new pieces, a lot of missing pieces of that defense. And overall, it be a close game, but I didn't expect Lamar Jackson to go off like that. And I didn't expect the Dolphins to give up at the kickoff. The Dolphins gave up as soon as that game started, and I hated it. I'm never picking the Dolphins again. I am not. There's no way. I hope they don't go in 16. I think they'll at least win one game. But players requested trades. They gave up at the kickoff. And I hate that. You know, they lose 59 to the kickoff. The Dolphins just gave up. They let the Lamar Jackson throw all over them. They let, they just got thrown up on. And then they, oh, ton of those players requested trades right after the game. The Dolphins players, no credit, no respect to them because they didn't try at all throughout that game. I rarely saw any effort from the Dolphins throughout that game. And then a ton of them just decided to request trades. Maybe you try. I know your team's not good. And I know deep down they don't think their team's very good. But how about giving an effort before you make a trade request? They gave up before that game even started. And the, also, the other reason I'm not going to believe in Lamar Jackson too much, Robert Griffin came in and went 6-for-6 six six for 55 yards and a touchdown. Robert Griffin obviously has, you know, talent. We've seen it before, but he's been hurt too many times. He does not have that talent any longer. I need to see a few more weeks of Lamar Jackson throwing the football this well. Because I didn't even see him throw the football that well in the preseason. Then all of a sudden, he has one good week against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I'm a little. It's a little fishy to me. Rushing the ball, Mark Ingram, 14 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. He really went off in that first quarter. Slowed down a bit as the game progressed, but he still nonetheless had a great game. Uh, they're gonna run the ball a lot. Watch out for him. And Gus Edwards had even more carries, 17 carries for 56 yards, but he only averaged 3.3 yards a carry. Mark Ingram had 14 carries, 7.6. I think Mark Ingram. Should be their main back over Gus Edwards. They've got options there, like Justice Hills. Well, they ran the ball a ton. Like, Lamar Jackson didn't even ra- only ran the ball three times. He only had to throw it 20 times, though. I mean, he did come out and Robert Griffin threw it six, but they ran the ball a ton. Then Justice Hill, seven carries for 27 yards. 3.9 average yards a carry is pretty average. And RG3 came in four carries for nine yards. So, obviously, they ran the ball a lot. And then Anthony Levine had that huge 60-yard carry. Uh, that was just one on the day. But I think Mark Ingram should be their main back. But I don't mind Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Kind of it being like a three-man rotation. Uh, but it is tough because I think Lamar Jackson's going to run the ball. Uh, as the season progresses, they face tougher defenses. And they start to exploit his arm again. Um He'll have to run the ball more, and that's going to mean probably less and less carries for those three backs that they've got to feed. And then receiving the ball, a Marquise Hollywood Brown. Oh my God, four catches, four 147 yards, two touchdowns. Way to start out your career. Mark Andrews had eight catches, 108 yards, one touchdown. Hayden Hurst, three catches, 41 yards. Willie Sneed, two catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Nick Boyle, three catches for 26 yards. Seth Roberts. One catch for 10 yards. Miles Boykin had the five-yard reception for a touchdown. Patrick Ricard had the one-yard touchdown. And then defensively, obviously, they were very good. Two interceptions. uh, And then they had one, two, three, three uh, sacks. Overall, though, they're facing the Dolphins. The Dolphin struggle. I mean, Josh Rosen, that annoys me, too. One for three, five yards and an interception. He threw Josh Rosen in there. Only had a few throws and he throws an interception. Oh, Josh Rosen, I want to believe in you. And I know you've had two unfair chances here, but I really want to believe and I just really can't. Uh, he just continues to struggle. Kenyon Drake, four carries, 12 yards. They didn't run the ball at all. They were really just throwing around the yard, trying to create something, really nothing could go 
for the Dolphins. I just can't believe in the Ravens too much. Again, I said don't sleep on the Ravens, but again, I'm not going to go ahead and brag in your face because I'm not exactly believing in the Ravens too much either. Uh, they're gr- they had a great performance, but I'm not going to believe in Lamar Jackson's arm just yet. I'm not going to believe the running back core is going to do that good just yet. I'm not believing that all those receivers are going to go off that much. And I'm not believing the Ravens defense is going to do that great every game. As much as the Ravens defense seems to be always good, I do think it's going to be a little worse this season. They had uh, losses. They're going to be a little worse this season. And they held the Dolphins to 10 points. Congratulations. Now we are going to go ahead and move on to the Redskins and Eagles game. Okay, so Redskins and Eagles. The Eagles pulling this one out 32-27. to Obviously, the Redskins were the ones to get off to the hot starts. They were up 17 to nothing at one point. Case Keenum, 30 for 44, 380 yards, three touchdowns. I have to shout out Case Keenum. He had a very good game. I didn't expect Keenum to have a great season. I thought Keenum would have around the same numbers he had last year. Overall, I think Keenum... Had a bit of an underrated last uh, season last year in Denver, but nonetheless, I think that season he had Minnesota two years ago was a bit of a fluke, kind of a system guy, and then he goes to Denver. I expected that to flop, and it kind of did. Uh, but he goes to Washington. That's a good first game. I don't think he'll continue the, uh, that type of success, though. Then the run game, they obviously sat Adrian Peterson. Healthy scratch. First time in his career. Darius Guis, uh, Geist, though, at 10 carries for 18 yards. He really struggled. Uh, he obviously had the torn ACL last season for his rookie season, so this is technically his rookie year, and he really struggled. Chris Thompson came in, three carries for 10 yards. He was not great either. They just couldn't establish the run game, only ran it 13 times. They said, oh, okay, we clearly can't establish it. Let's just stay away from it. They threw the ball great, though. I mean, Terry McLaurin, uh, speedster with great hands. I really liked him out of college. Five catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chris Thompson had seven catches for 68 yards. Uh, He's great out of the backfield. Vernon Davis, four catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. He obviously had that great hurdle. I mean, Vernon Davis is a guy who's, what, 35, 36 years old, and he's washed up at this point, and he just went out there and hurdled a grown man that plays in the NFL and then broke a few tackles and went all the way. Other than that, though, he didn't really have a great game outside of that one play. He made a few catches. They targeted him a lot. He had some drops. Uh, outside of that play, he wasn't a huge fan. But he had still a solid week for a 35-year-old washed-up tight end. That should be back up to Jordan Reed, who's hurt like usual. Uh, Paul Richardson, four catches for 36 yards. And then you saw Darius Guise. Geis. Why do you say Geese? My brother said Guise once, and that stuck in my head. Three catches for 20 yards. So at least he did something catching the ball out of the backfield. And defensively, they didn't wow me, really, especially down the stretch that you had no interceptions. You had one sack. Overall, though, you know, you put some pressure on Wentz, just not a lot. I saw the pocket collapse a little bit, but not a lot. You know, you just gave Wentz a little too much breathing room. Their defense was not very good. This is people, you know, I've heard the Red, you know, the Redskins defense overall is a bit underrated, but I've heard some people overrate it. I don't know why it's so overrated. I mean, yes, the Eagles had a great game yesterday. The Eagles have a high-powered offense. I get all that, but still. 32 points, especially what they did on the stretch. Like, you held them at first zero points. Then Deshaun Jackson had a score late in the second quarter. Then he kind of just fell apart. Uh, Carson Wentz, 28 for 39, 313 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, Carson Wentz was great yesterday. It took him a little bit to get into rhythm. But after that, he was lights out. Then rushing the ball, Darren Sproles, 
Nine carries for 47 yards. Darren Sproles was very good yesterday. He played a much bigger role than I thought. I thought Darren Sproles was going to be, he's in, you know, he's obviously an older back. Uh, Darren Sproles is 36 years old. I get that. I thought Darren Sproles was going to be a guy that came back just because he loves football and wants to round out his career. And maybe he'd be, you know, the third back for this team. And he'd probably just be a guy that could mentor, a guy like Miles Sanders, even a little bit of Jordan Howard. Just came in to do it for fun, you know, get touches here and there. I didn't know nine carries for 47 yards, uh, and then not to mention three catches for 16 yards. I didn't think Jordan Howard, uh, my, jeez, uh, Darren Sproles was capable of that, okay? I just didn't see that one coming. And he still looks very shifty and all that, too. So that's great to see from Darren Sproles. And Miles Sanders led the backs with carries, 11 carries, only at 25 yards, though. Miles Sanders is a guy that's highly regarded out of the draft coming into Philadelphia. He has not looked so great uh, in that season opener. And then Jordan Howard, six carries, 44 yards. I want to see Jordan Howard play an even bigger role in this uh, offense. I don't think Darren Sproles is going to be taking nine carries a game. So let's say... Darren Sproles gets five carries a game. Miles Sanders gets about 10 carries a game. Jordan Howard gets about nine carries a game. That would be 1924, which isn't bad. Maybe you, you know, lower Jordan Howard one or two. But I just love Jordan Howard. I think he's overhated in ways I feel like people said, yeah, in Chicago, he wasn't really getting the job done. He gave them a steady 1,000 points, uh, 1,000 rushing yards. He didn't, wasn't really even their main back. I thought it was a great pickup for Philadelphia. They give themselves kind of that running back to round it all out. I like what they're doing. You know, Darren Sproles, I mean, did the Redskins see that coming? I don't think they did. I think they're game planning for a lot of Miles Sanders, which they saw, but they didn't see all that Darren Sproles coming, and that's the thing. When you get all those backs, <coughs> excuse me, like that, all of a sudden you get all these types of backs that can do all these different things, and it just makes you a deadly offense because it's tough to game plan for. You don't have to spend a lot of money on it. So that way, you know, let's say you spend a lot of money on a running back. You know, obviously if you do, he's probably going to be very good week in and week out, maybe one or two bad weeks, but he, that's that one guy you have to bank on him not getting hurt. You spend a ton of money there. If you get three guys, three cheap guys that can all do a little bit of different things. All of a sudden, it's tough to game plan for, and you can kind of substitute that guy's in and out. All right, then all of a sudden, that guy is success. He wants a big contract. All right, you can walk. We'll get in another guy that can kind of play that similar role. Then receiving the ball, Deshaun Jackson had the big day. Eight catches for 154 yards, two touchdowns. That was clear. His return to Philly, he was amazing. Lights out. I don't think anyone saw that performance coming. Zach Ertz, five catches for 54 yards. Alshon Jeffrey, five catches for 49 yards. Those were their bigger receivers, along with uh, Nelson Aguilar, two catches for 11 yards. Dallas Goder, two catches for 16 yards. Overall, though, their defense wasn't great, uh, to say the least. Shouldn't be allowing 27 points to the Redskins. Overall, I loved Philadelphia's uh, run defense, but I don't think they put great pressure on Case Keenum. They had one sack. I know sacks don't say the whole story, but I think that still tells a part of it. They didn't put great uh, pressure on Case Keenum, and it was clear. Keenum kind of lit them up. Again, he 30 for 44. That's over 66. That's about 68%. That's a very high completion percentage and 380 yards, three touchdowns. You can't let a guy like Case Keenum in that those receivers light you up like that. That's a place that they're going to need to clear, uh, clean up for sure uh, heading into week two and the rest of the season. Then Rams versus Panthers to round out our 1 o'clock games. Uh, we saw Jared Goff go thir- 29- 
23 for 39, 186 yards, one touchdown, one interception. His performance didn't wow me, to be honest. Uh, it was okay. It wasn't horrible. But again, i just not a huge Jared Goff guy. I just think he's a system guy. <coughs> but they still scored 30 points. He wasn't horrible. Wasn't great either. Running the ball, they had a lot of success. Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 97 yards. That is great. 6.9 yards a carry. Malcolm Brown, 11 carries, 53 yards, 4.8 yards a carry, two touchdowns. Malcolm Brown seems to be their goal line back. There's no doubt Todd Gurley is going to take less and less carries as the season progresses. Sorry, not less and less carries as the season progresses, but you know what I'm saying? He's going to play a lesser role. He's got that knee problem. Malcolm Brown's a reliable backup. You want to kind of save him up for these future years, for the playoffs and whatnot. And they seem to establish a pretty good uh, system, I guess you could say. Like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup combined for uh, 15 catches. Brandon Cook's inconsistent as always, two catches only. Tyler Higby, four catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. Him and Jared Goff just have a good connection. Then defensively, the Rams weren't horrible against the Panthers, but I think 27 points is a little too much to allow. Cam Newton was not great, 25 for 38, 239 yards and an interception. Their passing attack was not very good. They just kind of let Christian McCaffrey light them up. 19 carries, 128 yards, two touchdowns. Then Alex Arma came in on the goal line, punched in a one-yard touchdown. Then Christian McCaffrey had 10 catches for 81 yards, uh, which was the same amount of rushing yards LaShawn McCoy had and the same amount of carries. But overall, I mean, DJ Moore had a solid game besides the fumble. Greg Olson wasn't horrible. The the pat listen, the secondary wasn't bad for the Rams, but they need to clean up their running a defense rush defense. I know Christian McCaffrey's one of the best running backs in the league, but so you need to clean that up. I mean, he lit you up in the pass game and in the run game. But overall, the Rams squeaked that one out. I think they could see some possible regression. Uh, but the Panthers are just going to be mediocre this year, uh, and the Rams squeak that one out. Then we go over to our 430 game, starting off with the Colts and the Chargers. What did I say about Austin Eckler? I told you he's the sleeper of the your fantasy draft. And I hope you guys listened because Eckler went off 12 carries for 58 yards and touchdowns, 4.8 yards per carry, but that isn't it. He did well in the run game, but he made his money in the pass game. Six catches for 96 yards, two touchdowns. One of those was the game winner. One of those was the first touchdown of the game. One of those was a touchdown where he got it. It was literally a check down play to Austin Eckler. It was great blocking, but then he uh, broke two tackles, and he broke the plane for the touchdown. Obviously, if you watch the game or watch the highlight, he didn't break the two tackles at the goal line, but you get what I mean. Justin Jackson was able to come in six carries for 57 yards, kind of play that backup role. The Chargers... Like to utilize Austin Eckler somewhat last season with Melvin Gordon, uh, where you know Gordon would come and take a majority of the carries, but Eckler would always get a few carries here and there to kind of take a little bit of the load off of Melvin Gordon. I think they're doing the same thing here. Eckler, yes, you're getting a big load, especially in the pass game. Justin Jackson comes in and takes a third of the carries, basically, unless you're counting their fullback, Derek Watts, two carries, too, and Philip Rivers scramble. I mean, basically, took a third of the carries to kind of take a little pressure off Eckler. It does sound like Melvin Gordon will be back by week six to eight. We'll see what happens with that. I hope not, because I'm just, I want to see more Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen had a great game, eight catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown, Austin, and then obviously Austin Eckler. Other than that, overall, Hunter Henry, four catches for two, uh, 60 yards. No one else really did much. Uh, for 
the Chargers in the passing game, uh, receiving-wise. And then the Chargers defense did have two sacks. I saw them put a little bit of pressure on Jacoby Brissett. Not too much, yeah. He had a few sacks here and there. They were able to put some pressure on him. Not a ton of pressure on Jacoby Brissett, but not a whole lot. Not too little either, especially that's a very good offensive line you're going up against. Then the Colts couldn't squeak it out. They made a good comeback. Jacoby Brissett looked good. 21 for 27, 190 yards, two touchdowns against a solid Chargers defense. Marlon Mack went off. 25 uh, carries, 174 yards in the touchdown. Naeem Hines also coming in for four carries and 13 yards. T.Y. Hilton had a great game. Eight catches, 87 yards, two touchdowns. Overall, though, they need more guys to step up. It is simple. It's as simple as that. I mean, the next highest guy with catches with Naeem Hines with four catches for four yards. It was all check downs. Uh, he lost yards on some plays. T.Y. Hilton cannot be the only guy in this receiving core. I know Eric Ebron's going to be a guy who's only going to get like one or two catches, maybe three a game, mostly just be their goal line tight end. Jack Doyle's mostly going to be there. Let's try to march up the field tight end, play a little more of a blocking role. But like more out of Devin Funches, more out of Jack Doyle. Eric Ebron almost had that touchdown. Uh, overall, I can't complain too much. He's not getting a lot of snaps, but Jack Doyle's got to step up if he wants to keep that starting role. And Devin Funch has got to step up as that second guy. Because T.Y. Hilton, I mean, as good as he is, and as much eight catch, nine catch games he'll have, he won't have it every single week. There'll be an off week or two for T.Y. Hilton, and these guys are going to need to step up for that week. Uh, you saw Malik Hooker have that uh, red zone interception on Phillip Rivers. And overall, this was just a fun, exciting overtime matchup. Uh, one of the two overtime games this week. Uh, the next game we are going to get to is the Bengals versus the Seahawks. Uh, the Bengals almost squeaked this one out. I am just not a believer in the Bengals. I think they're going to go 3-13, but they looked pretty good. But then again, this wasn't a great that game that the Seahawks looked great. But don't get me wrong, the Bengals played solid, especially Andy Dalton. 35 for 51, 418 passing yards, two touchdowns. Andy Dalton looked very good in the opener. I mean, he led the league in uh, passing yards for the week, giving he had 51 attempts. I'm not going to overrate this performance. He was facing weak secondary. And overall, yes, the Seahawks have a good front seven, and they put solid pressure on Dalton, but they only had three sacks. I thought... As good as the Seahawks' defense front seven looks on paper, and as, as much as they did play well, they didn't play good enough to patch up the holes in the secondary. And, I mean, it's clear. Andy Dalton looked them up. They didn't put enough pressure on Dalton. When you put pressure on Dalton, he's going to struggle. And I thought they put solid pressure on Dalton, but not enough to fill in the needs in that secondary. Running the ball, Joe Mixon only had six carries for 10 yards. He had a horrible week, but he did get banked up. Then Giovanni Bernard came in for seven carries, 21 yards. Uh, and Tyler Board came in for that carry three yards on, I believe it was a jet sweep. So they just could not establish the run game. So it's clear the front seven still had a solid game. They put solid pressure on Andy Dalton, and they stuffed the run game. But it wasn't enough to fill in those holes in the secondary. But overall, they still had a solid week. I mean, only 21 points, given that's a pretty weak defense. And then for the Bengals, John Ross was the big-time receiver. I know Tyler Boyd led the team in catches with eight for 60 yards, but John Ross had seven catches, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, his second touchdown coming right after he dropped a pass wide open. Then he came in amazing ball from Andy Dalton, probably the best throw of the week, right over the DB's head, down the field to John Ross. John Ross showed he could still have some value in the league. This is a guy who's been deemed a bust. I mean, he was so fast out of college, ran a 4-2-2. 
And overall in the NFL, he's just really struggled uh, to even to stay healthy as well. And he's been deemed a bust. I think he still brings some value, uh, though. Scores a lot of touchdowns, and you just saw it there last week. C.J. Uzoma had four catches for 66 yards. I think he came in and played somewhat of a bigger role than I was expecting. Um, and then Giovanni Bernard, two catches for 42 yards. He had that big catch. Uh, it wasn't like a huge catch, but he ran for solid yards after uh, the catch. And then Damian Willis, three catches for 30 yards. Alec. Alex Ickerson, er, Erickson, geez, four receptions for 28 yards. Tyler Eifert, five for 27, and then Joe Mixon, two for seven. Uh, so Tyler Eifert, you know, this is a guy who brought a lot of value, but he just continues to get hurt. And they bring in C.J. Uzoma. He's only 26 years old, and I think it's clear they want him to play, you know, a bigger role and have that two tight end set because – the Bengals need that backup tight end because Tyler Eifert can just never stay healthy. Then defensively, uh, the Bengals were not bad at all. They recorded four sacks, uh, could not get an interception off of Russell Wilson. But I thought both defenses played well. You know what I'm saying? I just think, again, that the front seven was good for the Seahawks, but it wasn't good enough to fill in those holes for the secondary. It was just good enough by a point over all their performance, though. And then Russell Wilson goes 14 for 20, 196 yards, two touchdowns. I would like to see Russell Wilson throw the ball a little more in the future. I feel like 20 pass attempts uh, isn't a whole lot for a quarterback. I know they uh, like to establish the run game. They ran the ball 21 times. If you include Russell Wilson's four scrambles, that's 25. Overall, they didn't get a ton of time offensively to really establish anything. But uh, in future games, I'd like to see Russell Wilson's arm use a little more. I know they've got a good running back core back there, and he still had a good game with the 20 attempts he had. Uh, running the ball, Chris Carson really uh, set the tone when he could. I'd say he was their best back uh, for sure. 15 carries, 46 yards of the touchdown. I'd like to see a little bit more production from Chris Carson. 3.1 yards of carry isn't horrendous, but it's not that good either. Uh, but he did punch in the touchdown at the goal line. I'd just like to see Chris Carson be a bit more productive. And then Rashad Penny, six carries for 18 yards. He was not very good either, but he gave him some carries. He did what he could do. He's about as average as Chris Carson, but I'd say Carson was just a little better. He had the touchdown. Uh, slightly more yards of carry. And then Russell Wilson, four scrambles for eight yards overall. I wouldn't say the Seahawks established the run game by any means, but I don't think they were horrendous either. It was really an average day in the backfield for them. Receiving DK Metcalf really showed up bigger than I expected. Four catches, 89 yards, didn't score a touchdown, but man, was he close on one of those plays. So I just kind of looked at DK Metcalf, and I didn't expect this, especially from the first season. I expected you know him to do something, but I expected him more to play – a third receiver role. It seems like he's their second receiver. And I was a bit surprised by that and just how much he's playing. And it feels like he's picked up. I feel like he ran more than just that one down the field route and maybe has more value than we thought. Uh, and I know a lot of people overhyped him out of that combine, but still, I thought there's a lot more to prove and there still is. It's just one week. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a catch for 44 yards, one touchdown. You know, he made the most of that one catch, a 44-yard touchdown. But Tyler Lockett has to be much more productive in these weeks. Russell Wilson has nobody. And, I mean, Tyler Lock if Tyler Lockett's your first option, that's not a great situation to be in. And when your second option is DK Metcalf and or Will Disley, you know, it's just it's not a good situation to be in. They only had five guys catch a pass. 
Uh, and two of them only caught one pass. Tyler Lockett, Will Disley. Nick Vanette caught two passes for 16 yards. Chris Carson had six catches, 35 yards, and touchdown. Chris Carson was actually very good out of the backfield. He was probably the best receiver, honestly, last week. I know DK Metcalf put up the big yards. I know Tyler Lockett had the big catch. But, I mean, Chris Carson was just productive. You get six catches, touchdown, 35 yards. Chris Carson was probably their best receiver, uh, honestly. And I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe not. It, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. And overall, again, their defense was just good enough. But that side, that front seven may have to step up even more. And it was still very good. It put a it put a solid amount of pressure. But they're gonna have to either put a lot of even more pressure on quarterbacks, or they're going to have to fill in that secondary. And I think they just gotta fill in the secondary because they played pretty well. But Andy Dalton still lit them up, and that was a battle line they were facing. So they're going to have to make some adjustments there in Seattle. But nonetheless, they squeak out the week one victory. Then we move things over to the Giants and Cowboys game. This was the only 4.30 game I could watch, uh, unfortunately. I was able to watch some of the 1 o'clock games on Red Zone, uh, my friend's house, Thomas's house, and then I came home. And this was the only game that I could watch, which was the Bummer Red Zone. That 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 is just so cool, you know. And as a Patriots fan, the Patriots are, you know, if you're, you know, the thing that stinks about it though is because how many times are the Patriots on at eight o'clock, you know, or Thursday football, Monday night football? If they're on at one o'clock, I'm not really going to be watching a lot of Red Zone. I'm going to be focusing on the Patriots. I'd like to watch a little bit more Red Zone, but my dad's going to be <laughs> full Patriots, and then sometimes I'm busy with the 4.30 game. So, you know, it's worth it, though. It's worth it. Uh, it's very good. You get to see all the big highlights for every game. So if your team's not playing or you're not too interested in your team, it, it's it's awesome. It really is. But, it, I mean, if you only are interested in your team, there's no point in getting it. Uh, so Dallas Cowboys have a convincing 35-17 to victory over the New York Giants. Uh, the Dak Prescott, 25 for 32, 405 yards, four touchdowns. Just like Lamar Jackson, he had a perfect passer rating. He was basically flawless. Obviously, it wasn't a perfect performance, only 25 for 32. Uh, but no, he obviously, I wouldn't consider any performance perfect. That's as close as perfect as it gets. I mean, Dak Prescott was incredible. 405 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, 25 for 32. He really stepped up in a game where Zeke was solid, but they didn't run the ball too much to him. And I mean, they ran the ball a total of 26 times if you count Dak's scrambles, 30 times. But Tony Pollard really couldn't establish the run game. And Zeke, 13 carries, he did the most he could do in the rushing game. 13 carries, 53 yards, a touchdown, 4.1 yards a carry. He was productive for the carries he got. And expect Zeke to get more and more carries as the season goes on. But you don't want to wear Zeke out in this first week against a pretty easy Giants team. You don't, you want to ease his way back in. You don't want to give him 20 carries, risk an injury. You know, as much as Zeke was working out in the offseason, you want to make sure he's okay. You know, you, you don't throw a guy in like that and just give him 22 carries. That's how it's going to work. They want to ease him back in. I mean, him and Tony Pollard basically split the backfield. Pollard, 13 carries, 24 yards, only 1.8 yards a carry. Uh, and Dak Prescott, I think this was a chance for him to really show off his arm. And he did a good job with that. He had also four scrambles for 12 yards. And then receiving, Michael Gallup had a huge day. Uh, seven catches, 158 yards. Didn't score a touchdown, but Gallup really showed his worth. Uh, after last season, you know, people were kind of left wanting more, you know. They expected a little more out of Michael Gallup. They were left wanting a little more. And he had a very good game this week. Uh, last season, 
His stats were 16 games played, 8 started, 68 targets, 33 receptions. Which meant he only kept, caught 48.5% of his passes, which is acceptable for a guy uh, kind of more of a deep ball threat. And he had 507 passes. Uh, Receiving yards, two touchdowns. Overall, it wasn't a great year for Gallup, but it wasn't a horrible one either. And he left us wanting more, right? And this, he just, he really produced uh, this week. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you get seven catches, 158 yards. I mean, he's on pace to definitely break that. I, I think he will. I think he's going to have a good second season. I'm not sure he'll put up seven catches for over 100 yards every week, but uh, expect a touchdown within these next few weeks. But don't expect those numbers every week from him, but he'll still be a solid second option for the Dallas Cowboys. And Amari Cooper, their first option, six catches, 106 yards, a touchdown. The connection, our third receiver, Randall Cobb, you could argue that one, uh, between him and Michael Gallup. But Cooper, that I love that connection that Amari Cooper had with Dak Prescott. And it showed in the week one. It showed it's going to continue. And last season when he came in, you know, he went to Oakland. And um, what's – jeez. He went to Oakland, didn't produce. Oakland flips him for a first-round pick, and he goes off in Dallas. It's no coincidence. Don't get me wrong. Dak Prescott isn't a great quarterback. He's average. Is he better than Derek Carr? Yes. By a, a ton? No, not exactly. Uh, but Mark Cooper, yes, was a better is a better fit in Dallas, but I do think there's just chemistry there, and it wasn't Amari Cooper's fault in uh, Oakland. I think it was just Derek Carr, the play calling, all of that, and he's he's really – I just love that connection between him and Dak Prescott. Randall Cobb, four catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Blake Jarwin, three catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Jason Witten, three catches, 15 yards, and a touchdown. Zeke had a catch for 10 yards. Tavon Austin, one catch for eight yards. Remember when Austin used to be really valuable. Now he's mostly just a depth chart piece and come in for a few trick plays or every once in a while, you know, you know, you'll throw a check down to him or give him a handoff or even go deep. I mean, he's really just a trick play guy that sits at the bottom of your depth chart, gets a touch or two here and there. I remember when he used to be much more valuable, though. Then defensively, I thought they were solid. Uh, you know, you only had a, a total of one sack, but it was okay. You only let up 17 points. And I know this was the New York football giants here, but I, I seriously, you know, it's tough to judge because the Giants just, they're no good, right? Uh, Eli Manning, 30 for 44, 306 yards touchdown. He wasn't even horrible last week. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, he wasn't horrible, but that own line is just bad. Uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of guys in the receiving core. Uh, Evan Ingram went off, 11 catches, 116 yards of touchdown. I love Evan Ingram. He just needs to stay healthy. Uh, and then Sterling Shepard had six catches, 42 yards. Other than that, I mean, Benny Fowler, five for 40. Cody Latimer, Latimer, yeah, Latimer. I almost said Latimer. Three for 74. Wayne Gallman, three catches out of the backfield for 24 yards. Saquon Barkley, four for 19. Rhett, Allis Rhett Allison, I don't know who that is. One catch for eight yards. Overall, they established the run game pretty well. I mean, Saquon had 11 carries, 120 yards. Wayne Gallman had two carries for 17 yards and a touchdown. They established the run game really well. I mean, Saquon averaged 10.9 yards a carry, and Gallman only got two touches, but he made 17 yards and a touchdown out of it. Overall, eight and a half yards a carry. I like Gallman as a backup. I think he really complements Saquon well. I think that's, you know, Saquon can take the load, but it feels like you can kind of give Saquon 
give Saquon a little bit of a break. Like, Gallman can take some of those touches, which I think is the thing. Like, yeah, you can feed Saquon all you want, but to keep him a little rested, we can give Gallman some of these snaps, which I think they just got something good going in that backfield. One of the few things they have good going. Uh, but, I, I, you know, Saquon, I'm glad he only had 11 carries because he showed there's no sophomore slump this season. There won't be. Uh, unless he gets hurt or somehow he does. I just doubt it, though. Saquon came in, only got 11 carries. He said, yes, you're going to feed me more as the season goes on. But listen, I think they just want to keep me kind of rested for the future years. And they don't want me to get hurt or any of that. And, yeah, I think he'll get more than 11 carries in most games. But they're just kind of sitting here saying, let's just keep you healthy. The season's not going to go very well. And we kind of lost the game. We'll throw Gallman in there. He gave Eli a lot of throws. Daniel Jones came in three for four, 17 yards, and then he fumbled. The fumbles are a problem with Daniel Jones that he needs to fix. But, uh, you know, if that's if you're really overreacting to that, don't. The O-line was horrible. It's his first start ever in a game where Dallas had all the momentum. Let's calm down. And then overall, their defense was just not good at all. Uh, New York's defense, 35 points. The Cowboys uh, threw all over them. I wouldn't say they ran all over him, but Zeke did do a solid job on him. I'd say their run defense was definitely better than their uh, secondary, their pass defense. But overall, the Giants need to step it up if they want a chance at the playoffs, which I highly doubt they do. Then we swing things over to the 49ers versus Buccaneers game. 49ers pulling this out one. This one out 31 to 17. Two teams that people aren't too sure about. Some teams are very high. On, some people are very high on them. Some people are very low on them. And these are just two tough teams to read. And I'll start with the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, 8 for 27, 18 for 27, 166 passing yards, a touchdown and interception. He also scrambled two times for negative two yards. Jimmy Garoppolo was not amazing in this game by any means. I mean, he threw for, what, you know, 66%, which is good. He was efficient, but he didn't throw for a ton of yards. Uh, he, you know, converted on one touchdown, which is nice. He George Kittle had about three called back, though. That was ridiculous. Uh, and then he had the interception. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't wow me, especially because that's the Buccaneers' defense. Yeah, they've got Dominic and Sue, and they've got a few other guys. I do like Devin White. I'm not really sure how much of a difference he makes like right away. But they've got guys there. But, you know, Vernon uh, Hargraves, who had the pick, but overall just – that's not a very good defense you're going up against. Yes, you put up 31 points, but a lot of that was some good running, and they ran the ball a lot, too. Uh, Rashid, Ra- Raheem Mostert, nine carries, 40 yards. He, you know, got a bigger role than I thought. I thought it's going to be, you know, Jarek McKinnon's out, obviously. It's going to be Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman. I did not expect this guy to come in here and get that many catches if you want the complete and honest truth. So I was a bit surprised by that nine carries for him. And then Tevin Coleman only had six for 23 yards. But he was good, Mostert was. And then Brita was the main back, 15 carries. Only produced 37 yards, so so I think there could be uh, somewhat of competition for the starting job in that backfield. Brita was not very good, and Mostert was. So I think uh, he's he's got a... Um, <laughs> A shot at actually getting this starting role, but I'm not going to overreact because it's week one. We all know how that goes. You can have fluky weeks. And then receiving George Kittle, eight catches, 54 yards. You know, the production was there, eight catches, you know, only 54 yards. Uh, so many touchdowns called back. If you're a George Kittle owner and you're like, yeah, that was an average week, don't worry about it. He's going to get more yards uh, per catch as the season progresses. You know, he's not going to score three times and get them all called back every single week. 
And then you had guys like Richie James get a 39-yard touchdown. Tevin Coleman had two catches for 33 yards. Debo Samuel, three catches for 17 yards. And a ton of other guys with just one catch. Uh, and then defensively, they were okay. I thought their secondary was very good. Uh, Richard Sherman, Mark Nizzo, whatever. And then Akello Witherspoon with uh, interceptions. It's good to see Richard Sherman get a pick. Uh, this is just a guy who was at the top, and he's just fallen to the bottom just like that. As soon as he got that big contract from San Francisco, he's been hurt, banged up. And they had three picks. This is a 49ers team that had two interceptions all of last season. They had three in this game. But Jameis Winston, I mean, that was just an ugly performance. 20 for 36, 194 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions. He also scrambled over five, five times for 13 yards. People want to believe that Bruce Arians changed this man, and he has not shown that at all. Jameis Winston went out there. It was not good against a pretty mediocre defense in the 49ers. Yeah, they, they added, a, you know, added a few pieces over the offseason, got a little better, but not a whole lot better. The 49ers defense is not a whole lot better, if at all better. So I was just, that was just an ugly, ugly performance for Jameis Winston. And then Ronald Jones, 13 carries, 75 yards. He was very good uh, in this game for the carries. He got Peyton Barber, 8 carries for 33 yards, 4.1 yards a carry. You see the thing about that? Like, Peyton Barber, I don't believe in at all. Ronald Jones, uh, I don't want to say I don't believe in. Uh, he just did not have a good season last season. Then again, he only had 23 att rushing attempts. Uh, but I'd like to see. I don't not trust. I don't trust Peyton Barber, Okay. And I'm not sure about Ronald Jones. I just need to see more Ronald Jones, and I've seen enough Peyton Barber. I just don't believe in him. I don't like Peyton Barber. And I think overall, you know, he's only 25, but he just hasn't shown me things that I really like. And overall, I just don't believe in the Buc Buccaneers' backs. But unless Peyton Barber kind of comes out of nowhere and really has a good season or uh, Ronald Jones can really step up, uh, I don't know. And I just don't believe in these guys, even though they both had solid days. Receiving, though, Chris Godwin, three catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. He had the only receiving touchdown. O.J. Howard, four catches for 32 yards. Dare Ognobolet, whatever his name is, four catches for 33 yards. Mike Evans, two catches for 28 yards. All the rest of the guys. Cameron Bright, two catches for eight yards. Uh, that, that, that was going to be a heck of a catch he had in the back of the end zone there. Jeez. And it, this is, this is messed Cameron Brake scored that touchdown, didn't he? I'm not... No, Vernon. No, no. I was going to say because Chris Godwin had the touchdown, and I forgot about the Hargraves interception. Oh, that was just... Jimmy G, you should have seen him coming. Like, you throw it out to the flat, you should have seen him coming. But Cameron Brake had this play in the back of the end zone where he almost made the spectacular catch, but it was ruled off because I was going to say 17 points. It's two touchdowns. I don't... I think he scored. No, it was called off. I remember they had the uh, pick six. And overall, their defense wasn't anything special, <laughs> really. You, you played a 49ers team that was, eh. You know, Jimmy G wasn't great. The only real back that was solid was Raheem Mostert. But he, you know, nine carries, 40 yards doesn't exactly pop off the page. They didn't run the ball that well. And overall... George Kittle was really the only one who produced, and Richie James on his one catch. So I don't know how you just let up 31 points. Uh, but then again, I wouldn't say it's all the defense's fault. James Winston threw three interceptions. So, I, you know, and some of those, not all those points, like Richard Sherman went for a pick six. So not obviously not all the defense's fault, but they still didn't wow me. 
you know. Uh, but they still had a solid day. Don't get me wrong. Like, you, you know, the running game wasn't too effective. Jimmy G was okay. And besides George Kittle, you really held everyone else to uh, three catches or less. So I thought overall they were solid, but they have some room to improve. And it was just an interception festival, turnover festival. God, you had fumbles by O.J. Howard, picks by Jimmy G, and especially from Jameis Winston. And then we move over to the last 430 game, a tie between the Lions and Cardinals. What are the odds? Two overtime games and a tie already. Uh, Matt Stafford, 27 for 45, 385 yards, three touchdowns. Matt Stafford looked sharp in the season opener, and I think Matt Stafford's going to have a bounce back year. Listen. I don't think Matt Stafford's going to get necessarily like better this year, like skill-wise. I just think it's either here are your two options with Matt Stafford. He has a bounce-back season, or he continues to regress. This is not Matt Stafford's big drop-off year. He had that last year. If you say he's going to continue to regress this season and not have a bounce-back year, don't say this is his regression season. It was last season. Last season, we saw no fourth-quarter comebacks. We just saw him way more check-downs. But I think Matt Stafford's going to have a bounce-back year because – I just think Matt Patricia all of a sudden has got one year under his belt, and he's going to at least say, all right, we can be a little more aggressive with this. A lot of it was just checkdowns. Matt Patricia trying to play things safe, and then he'd throw Matt Stafford into kind of a weird situation. I don't think Stafford's going to have a, you know, a huge year or a much better year than he did last year, but I think he'll be a little better than he was last year. Uh, I don't think he has better weapons. You know, he did lose Golden Tate, but I just think – Overall, the offensive line should be a little better. And guys like Kerryon Johnson, Kenny Galladay are going to continue to improve. Running the ball, Kerryon Johnson, 16 carries, 49 yards. I want to see more production from him. You get 16 carries, you got to give me at least 55 yards. And that's at very least 55, 56 yards. Uh, I just want to see more production from Kerryon Johnson. CJ Anderson, 11 carries, 35 yards. Same thing. 3.2 yards of carries, 3.1 from Kerryon. You just need more production out of that backfield. You handed the ball off 25 times. Excuse me. Wrong about 27 times to those two backs. Not to mention Ty Johnson came in for a carry six yards. Marvin Jones a carry four yards. Matt Stafford scrambled three times for 22 yards. So those guys gave you solid production. But your two main backs took 27 carries and were not very productive. And they didn't score a touchdown. Those two guys need to be more productive uh, to really give the Lions a shot to kind of take a little pressure off Matt Stafford in that passing game. T.J. Hawkinson had a great uh, career opener, six receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Danny Amendola, seven receptions for 104 yards and a touchdown. He looked great. I think he's, you know, mostly a Patriot type of guy. I don't see him having uh, too many weeks better than this, but I think he's got that connection with um, – was his face, Matt Patricia, and he's in a better situation quarterback-wise than he was last season, so he should be a little better at least than he was last season. Marvin Jones, four catches, 56 yards. Kenny Galladay, four for 42 and a touchdown. And then other than that, it was really one or two uh, you know, guys getting one or two catches, including Jesse James getting a 15-yard catch in his season opener with the Detroit Lions after uh, first game with the team after he le- uh, left geez, the Pittsburgh. Then we move over to the defense, which was debatable. Tracy Walker had an amazing game. Nine tackles and an interception. He was their best defensive player. Uh, Then you had Rashawn Melvin, eight tackles. And then you had Christian Jones, five tackles and a sack. Devon Kennard, four uh, four tackles. And three of those tackles were sacks. And then 
Jelani Tave. I don't know who that is, but he had a sack and three tackles. So overall, I thought, you know, they were solid. You look at Kyler Murray's stats, 29 for 54, 308 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Not bad. The passing defense, the secondary has to be better, but they put the in the trenches, they were great. Tracy Walker had a great game, but most of the secondary has to step up. And I kind of look at things like, yes, they got to Kyler Murray five times and deflected four passes at the line of scrimmage. They were great in the trenches. You know, five sacks, four passes deflected. Not to mention Tracy Walker pitched in with the nine tackles and a sack to kind of give you something out of that secondary. They were great inside the trenches, but they the secondary has to be better. Uh, Kyler Murray... Wow, I, I was impressed by his performance. At first, it was ugly. You're facing a Detroit defense that, you know, was, eh, they're solid. They're not horrible, but you're going to see better in the NFL. And he didn't show. In that first half, he threw an interception. He just did not look very good. He came out in the second half, and he just showed resilience. Same thing as Josh Allen, showed resilience. Both their performances didn't wow me. I thought, whose performance was better? Kyler Murray. Should Kyler Murray throw the ball 54 times? No. Kyler Murray's not that NFL ready, okay? 54 times? Like, you've got David Johnson back there, and they need to clearly get a second off back because David Johnson has durability issues, and you you can't hand the ball off, really, to the same guy 25 times. They need to run the ball more because that kind of adds another dimension. And I know David Johnson had 18 carries for 82 yards. But they need to hand the ball off more. Outside of him, they didn't run the ball at all. Kyler Murray had three carries, uh, three scrambles, and then Christian Kirk, Chase Edmonds had a, a total of 17 yards on their two carries. They need to get that second running back that can kind of keep David Johnson healthy, like giving him a few less touches, and overall just give that offense just a little more of room to run the ball because I feel like they're kind of just on like a pitch count there where, where it's like, well, David Johnson's our only reliable back and we don't want to feed him the ball too much so we can stay healthy. So it's kind of just tough, tough situation there and there. But Kyler Murray showed great resilience, led to the, uh, almost led to a comeback. That would have been awesome. I was impressed by Kyler Murray's performance, especially that second half. Larry Fitzgerald, you say he's old. Wow. Eight catches, 113 yards and touchdown. Just watching him was incredible. Just what he's doing. He's in with these new guys. He's been there for years. People say he's washed up, and he just continues to grind, play football. I mean, this is a guy that could easily retire, and no one would care, and he's still going out there and balling. Not, no, not that no one would care. I worded that wrong. But no one would really shame him for it. Like, oh, you retired. Like, no, no, you've had a great career. You know, we're not going on a Super Bowl run here, and just stuff like that. But David Johnson, six uh, six. Receptions, 55 yards and a touchdown. Always productive out of the backfield. Keyshawn Johnson, five receptions, 46 yards. Demir Bird, four catch, 42 yards. Christian Kirk, four for 32. Uh, So overall, you know, they've got guys uh, there for them, like Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. You know, that's a good – it's no duo that's going to wow you, but it's it's a solid duo. Then you got Keyshawn Jackson. This is a, a Johnson, not Jackson. Johnson. This is a guy that they picked in the sixth round of the 2019 draft. And he's kind of came in here and at least so far taken that third wide receiver role and done a good job with it. Uh, Demir Bird could also be uh, considered a guy who could be their third option. He's 26 years old. He's got a little more experience. But overall, I think Keyshawn Jackson has a much higher upside because, again, I don't know. He's a sixth-round pick, but – 
we've seen Bird, and he hasn't really done much in the league. Maybe Johnson can do something. And he had more yards and catches, just saying. Uh, but other than that, I mean, David Johnson obviously gives you production. They could be a high, somewhat high-powered offense this year. But then again, they do have a lot of question marks that they're going to need to fill. Then we move over to the last Sunday game, Sunday night football between the Patriots and the Steelers. The Patriots destroying the Steelers. My Patriots, 33-3. to uh, It started with the Patriots. Just, I mean, Tom Brady, 24 for 36, 341 yards, three touchdowns. You wouldn't believe this guy is 42. He just looks sharp. His deep ball was much better than I expected. He had some deep balls. Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett. Uh, one of the, the Philip Dorsett turning into touchdowns. Uh, running the ball. Though Sony Michelle gets 15 carries, 14 yards. He needs to be much better. Uh, the big question with him has always been durability. But I mean, now all of a sudden, you know, you get 15 rushes, make 14 yards of it, and it doesn't help that James White had four carries and ran for 26 yards, and Rex only had eight and ran ran for 44 yards. So he really needs to step it up if he wants to, you know, continue to get around 15 carries. Then in the receiving core. Four catches for 95 yards, two touchdowns for Philip Dorsett. He was great again. I've said this time and time again before I had my podcast, when I've had my podcast, and now. Philip Dorsett needs more targets. He needs to get more plays. Him and Brady have a great connection. He's super productive when he gets those targets, and he just needs more. And I know Belichick kind of, you know, he's kind of that guy that you don't want to expose too much because once he starts playing almost every down, that's when defense are like, all right, we're going to catch on to this guy. But I think he deserves at least – you know, five more plays each game than he usually does. I mean, you know, he'll have a big week like this. This happened last season against the Texans. He had a huge week one. The next week, he wasn't even part of the game plan. Didn't even play. So, I just want to see more uh, Philip Dorsett. I think he gives great production. Him and Brady just have a great connection. Then Julian Edelman, six catches for 83 yards. Coming off that injury, there's a lot of questions. He's been banged up throughout the offseason. He's just been banged up in the past. Uh, but the former Super Bowl MVP, uh, six catches, 83 yards isn't too bad. He produced. Uh, Josh Gordon had a great game uh, for, back from his suspension, three catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I thought just, you know, what he did, him and Brady seemed to have that connection. He scored the early touchdown. Then he had that catch up the seam. I just think him and Brady, they've got something going there as well. Brady likes Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon just, you know, you can't keep getting suspended. Uh, if Josh Gordon could just play the whole season – and just get get his off-the-field issue straight and maybe play a bit more of a Gronk role and succeed in that, that'll be great. James White, five catches for 56 yards out of the backfield. Rexburg had five for 41. Then Jacoby Myers, one catch for 22 yards. Ryan is a one for three. Jacoby Myers, again, now that Demarius Thomas has been traded, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Jacoby Myers is like your fifth receiver. You're just going to ask him, just go in there for a few plays Maybe give us a catch or two max each game. Like, we're not asking for much. We just got you on the roster. You've got some potential. Just keep grinding, developing, keep getting better. You'll get more and more snaps as the season progresses, hopefully, at least a few more as the seasons uh, even progress, as the years progress. But for now, just, you know, you go in there for a few plays each week. Maybe get a target or two. Just make the most out of it. Just mostly develop right now and work on your game. But the tight ends, you had one catch. Uh, Ryan is a one three-yard catch. That was it for your tight ends. Tight end position is a big question mark. Hopefully Ben Watt can come back and give you some production. Hopefully Josh Gordon can play a bit of a tight end type of role. But I don't know. There's a lot of questions to be filled. Then the Demarius Thomas trade. Patriots today trading Demarius Thomas to the New York Jets for a 2021 sixth-round pick. 
you know, they Demarius Thomas was banged up all offseason after they signed him. He goes out week four, balls out against some third stringers. Then he gets cut. And people are like, you know, you know, this is a solidly big name. He could do something. Here's why he got cut. It's simple. He was the Josh Gordon replacement. Okay. They brought him in to to be, you know, if Josh Gordon doesn't come back, we're gonna keep in you as long as you go you know, show somewhat show somewhat of skill and connection with Tom Brady and this offense will keep you on the roster. And you can, you know, maybe not be as good as Josh Gordon, but be that replacement. When Josh Gordon came back, even after that week four week four performance, they cut him. But then they said, you know what? He had that good week four performance. Let's give him a second chance to maybe be a good depth guy. And then once they brought Antonio Brown, once they made that official, I think they started talking trades, really exploring, you know what? I don't want to cut him right away and make it this obvious. Let's just let this news settle down. Let's focus on this game. And I think once the game was over, <laughs> uh, basically two days later, you know, a day and a half later, they trade him. I think they just said, you know what? Let's let this AB news sink in. Let's let let's not cut him right away because we'll just keep him on the depth chart just to be there. We don't want to cut him right before game day. Let's just have him play. He didn't even really even play, but let's just keep him on the roster, not do this now, and then we'll just see if we can make a trade happen after the game they did. And I, I think a 2021 sixth is about the max you get for him. This is a guy that easily could have been cut or worth a second round, a seventh round pick or some like third string offensive lineman, you know? So I think you got a solid amount for him. Uh, clearly the Jets, as I said earlier, James Crowder's really the only one to produce, so maybe they want to add a little depth there. And then the Patriots' defense was super, was super, I almost said super good. They were really good. Devin McCourty had the game-sealing interception. I thought they were just very, very good. Uh, again, only one sack, I think, on the day uh, by Dietrich Wise. So they only had one sack on the day, but that's okay. This is just a Patriot system that just puts pressure on guys. Pressure, pressure, pressure. No, you don't, you're not, in Belichick system, you're not going to get a lot of sacks. You're just going to put pressure on the quarterback. And overall, their, off, their defense was obviously really good. Then the Steelers. Ooh, this is not very, uh, very good week. Ben Roethlisberger, 27-47, 276 yards and an interception. Well, Ben Roethlisberger was just not very good. Uh, it's just that simple to say. I know the Patriots showed a lot of uh, great coverage. They really locked up Juju, I thought, pretty well. He was helped to six catches, 78 yards. And other than that, you just didn't get a lot of production. Like, James Conner couldn't establish the run game. He only got 10 carries, 21 yards. Ben Roethlisberger scrambled for seven yards. And then Jalen Samuels came in. He got two carries, four yards. They just couldn't really – they didn't run the ball enough, but they couldn't establish it, the run game in their 12 carries. Uh, and then receiving Juju Smith-Schuster didn't have a horrible game, six catches for 78 yards. Uh, James Washington, two for 51. James Conner, four for 44. Vance McDonald, two for 40. Ryan Switzer, six for 29. Deontay Johnson, three for 25. Dante Moncrief, three for seven. Jalen Samuels, one for two. Overall, though, that passing attack needs to be much better. The running attack, overall, that offense has to be much better. Uh, it's that simple. It, it really is. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Uh, besides that, uh, but, I mean, it was just, wow. I was surprised. I thought the Steelers were going to show up. I thought they were going to be hungry. I thought the Patriots, you know, might be a little off their game. They're usually, these first few weeks, they're a little slow. You know, no Gronk is an adjustment. He usually lights up the Steelers, and it's banner night. They don't usually do that good, but, no, they were great. And they were on their toes. And overall, Steelers' defense was just not good at all. Uh, Devin Bush, though, was showing up. He's my defensive rookie of the year pick. He had seven tackles, led the team. He's one of their best players uh, last night, uh, two nights ago, excuse me. But the Steelers, they need to do much, much better. They need to clean up a lot of things. 
Uh, and I'll be, honestly, I just hope the Steelers' defense, they're so – seem like one-dimensional. They're very limited. They're very stagnant in a way. They don't have a lot of you know, different things in a way. And they kind of just – again, they're just kind of stagnant. They kind of run the same plays. They don't differ. And it's just easy to game plan for. And I think they need to become a little more, I, I don't know, say flexible. Or they just need to be able to run different offenses in a way. And I just think, again, they're just too stagnant. Uh, to really be, you know, forced. And again, I'm not going to panic on the Steelers here. That was a Patriots team that came out. They were ready. They game planned really well. But the Steelers, they got to be much better, and they got to clean up a lot of things. Then we move over to wrap up today's episode. The two Monday Night Football games, the Saints edging things out against the Titans, 30-28. to What a game. What an ending. Uh, we'll start with the Saints since they won. Drew Brees, 32 for 43. He was very efficient, 370 yards, two touchdowns, and interception to Whitney Merciless in the red zone. Drew Brees was solid. Uh, I do think he'll start to regress as the season goes on. But nonetheless, this will be one of the better, smarter quarterbacks in the league. And he came out, and anyone you know who worries about him or Tom Brady's age, they really prove those haters, doubters wrong, whatever you want to say. Alvin Kamara came in, 13 carries for 97 yards. Uh, he was great. Latavius Murray came in. He took a few touches, 43 yards and a touchdown. I think I don't think he'll play. I don't think Latavius Murray will be as good as Mark Ingram, but I think Latavius Murray will be able to really take a little bit of pressure off um, Alvin Kamara, make it somewhat of the system that uh, Kamara and Ingram had, and then Taysom Hill at two carries for eight yards. Uh, he is just the Swiss Army knife. I mean, that guy can just play quarterback, he can play wide receiver, he can play running back, he can be a special teams guy. I mean, Taysom Hill can just do it all. I mean, no one really knows what his main position is at this point. And then receiving Michael Thomas, of course, was their best receiver on the day. 10 catches, 123 yards. Then Ted Ginn had a surprisingly productive day. I didn't expect this type of day from him. Seven catches, 101 yards. Uh, Alvin Kamara, seven catches for 72 yards. Jared Cook, two for 37. Traquan Smith, two for 26 in a touchdown. Taysom Hill, one for nine in a touchdown. Latavius Murray, two for four yards. And then Josh Hill had one for negative two yards. And defensively, they were okay. I mean, yeah, you had the interception from Marcus Williams. Uh, they had the interception from um, Marshawn Lattimore. And I think that one got called off, though. I believe it did. Overall, though, I mean, they, they weren't incredible, really, if you look at the Saints' defense. They weren't really uh, you know, that good. Their run defense looked kind of weak, I hate to say it, and their pass defense was eh. Their secondary. So the Saints defense kind of let them down a little bit, but they still only allowed 28 points to a solid offense. And at the end of the day, the Saints just outscored them. It was a great ending, too. I mean, you went in that, like, the last minute. The Texans got the ball. They were down. What was the score? Um, so let me see. So let me just do the math. The score was 21 to 27, 54 seconds left. Deshaun Watson drives him down the field. Touchdown. So it was like 36 seconds left. The Saints march down the field, score the game-winning field goal from like 53 yards. I think it was for Will Lutz. Great kick. He's just he's a good kicker. He really is. And overall, it was just a good game. Uh, and switch thing over to the Texans. I picked the Texans to win this game. My pick them was pretty ugly this week. But I do not – if there's one team not to panic with, with throughout this week, I mean, I'd look back at the games. Let me look back at some of the games. I mean – I really can't see another team. I mean, if there's one team, in my opinion, I just want to make sure I'm not missing anyone. 
but I mean, maybe the Bears. You could argue, but I mean, if I'm basically going to sit here and say, if there's one team not to worry about them losing, it's the Texans. The Texans were great, and the the one thing is, if they can't stay healthy, and they wanted a shot at the playoffs, then they kind of needed this game. But they played great. The Saints just played a little better. It was a, it was a great played game by both sides, right? Sean Watson, 20 for 30, 268 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. They ran the ball really well. Carlos Hyde, 10 carries for 83 yards. Duke Johnson, nine carries, 57 yards. Sean Watson, four scrambles, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had eight catches for two touchdowns and 111 yards. Will Fuller only had two catches, but he made 69 yards out of it. Kenny Sills, three catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown, excuse me. Duke Johnson, four catches for 33 yards. So, I mean, you had production from those guys. Defensively, you know, Whitney Merciless had the interception that I was talking about, uh, and he had a sack as well. They just need a little more. They need to put a little more pressure on Drew Brees. I saw him clean in the pocket just too many times, and I know the Texans upgraded with guys like Laramie Tunsil, but their O line is still not very. I mean, not no. That's the tech. Scratch that. They do have a solid O-line. The Saints, I was talking about the Texans O-line there because I was talking about the defense. I just got mixed up there. But so you got to get more than one sack. I didn't see great pressure. That's the thing. They got to be a little better in the trenches defensively, uh, the Texans do, uh, to, to really make an impact, a better impact on the game. Overall, I didn't think their defense was horrible. They were very good at the beginning, but they started to crumble as the game progressed. They only allowed three points in the first half and then 14 in the third, 13 in the fourth. So the Saints defense, I mean, both defenses really have places to clean up, but uh, the Texans defense is going to clean up there. They got to put a little more pressure on the quarterback. The secondary has got to clean some things up. But overall, I do not panic about the Houston Texans. The only thing to be worried about is injuries. They'll be just fine. They almost won that game. It's a very good Saints team that played very well. They still had a very good game. Now we move over to our last game, Broncos versus Raiders. The Raiders pulled this one out in Oakland, 24 to 16. Uh, we saw Derek Carr, 22 for 26, 259 yards and a touchdown. He was spotless when it came to being efficient completion percentage-wise. Now, when they lost A.B., I said it wouldn't be a huge loss. I said it's going to go all down to Derek Carr. It doesn't matter who the receivers there are. Derek Carr has to get a better mindset. Once he gets a better mindset, the receivers will start mattering. And, but he, he showed a pretty good mindset yesterday. But again, you do 22 for 26. There's a lot of just check downs. I want to see more shots down the field for Derek Carr. I want to see more you know, tight passes. I know those are risky. Don't get stupid with it. But they're not going to win many games with just check downs. If Derek Carr continues to play that way, they're not going to play a lot. He didn't wow me. You know, 22 for 26, 259 yards touchdown. It's a clean stat sheet. But he didn't really wow me. It's just a ton of check downs, check downs, check downs. And then they kind of develop into big plays. It's not going to win them a lot of games. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 23 carries, 85 yards, two touchdowns. He wasn't even amazing yesterday. He only had 3.7 yards to carry, but he's very good. Okay. Because you know, when you get 85 yards, yeah, that's great. And two touchdowns rushing the ball, but you had 23 carries, which makes it like, yeah, so good, especially for an opening performance, but you know, it'll slow down. Then receiving Tyrell Williams, Six catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Darren Waller, I mean, this guy, you know, he can be something special. Like, not special, but he can be something good. Like, people really liked him kind of coming into the season. 70 catches for 70 yards. Josh Jacobs had one 28-yard catch. Uh, Ryan Grant had a few catches off the bat. Three catches for 16 yards. Really didn't do much after that first drive. Hunter Renfro, two catches for 13 yards. Dwayne Harris, one catch for seven yards. Obviously, he's kind of their special teams guy there. 
And then defensively, I thought their defense was very good. Uh, the Raiders was. They had three sacks on the day, no interceptions, but they were still able to hold the Broncos. Obviously, they're not playing a very good Broncos offense there. You know, Joe Flacco, you know, they got Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton and whatnot, but Joe Flacco, two, 21 for 31, 268 yards and a touchdown. Joe Flacco's a little better than I uh, expected overall that he'll do in the season, but again, that's the horrible defense he was just going up against. Horrible defense in the Raiders. They just have nobody there. So that's why I was impressed they only allowed 16 points uh, the Raiders did. They, as a unit, played a little better than I expected. They just have no names back there. Uh, running the ball, Royce Freeman. 10 carries, 56 yards. He was the best back in that backfield. Philip Lindsay, 11 carries, 43 yards. Uh, Royce Freeman had one less carry, but he ran for many more yards. Again, people are saying maybe Philip Lindsay did have a bit of a fluke, and then Noel Fant had a touch uh, out of the backfield for negative five yards. Receiving the ball, Cortland Sutton was the big receiver. Seven catches, 120 yards. Emmanuel Sanders had five catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. Noel Fant had two catches for 29 yards. He was just targeted a lot, a lot of drops, a lot of just – Missed throws by Joe Flacco. It seems like Joe Flacco, you know, loves his tight ends and all, but he just couldn't find them. He really couldn't. And, you know, just a lot of targets to Fant that just couldn't get through. Philip Lindsay, four catches for 23 yards. Deshaun Hamilton, two catches, five yards. Royce Freeman, one catch for five yards. And overall, their defense was solid. Uh, guys like Isaiah Yayodam had seven, eight tackles. Josie Jewell had seven tackles. Kareem Jackson had five tackles. Von Miller, four. They had no sacks, though, no interceptions. You need to put more pressure on Derek Carr. That It's as simple as that. I mean, if you just harass Carr a little bit, he's really going to struggle. I mean, that's a guy that he just likes to keep himself safe. He doesn't like to take shots down the field. He's a scared quarterback, and you didn't even put a lot of pressure on him. He's still just throwing checkdowns. Next time the Broncos meet the Raiders, they got to try to apply as much pressure as possible. Don't worry too much about the receivers. They don't really have any when you look at the Raiders. They don't have Antonio Brown anymore, which really means they have Tyrell Williams. Darren Waller could be something. I'll give you that. Josh Jacobs could do a little bit out of the backfield. And then, like, Ryan Grant, Hunter Renfro. They don't have a ton of weapons. They've got solid weapons, but nothing too scary. The Broncos have to go into it and put pressure on Derek Carr. It doesn't matter who their wide receivers are. If you put pressure on Derek Carr, he's not going to do very well. Derek Carr won't beat you with the check down every time. But if you put absolutely no pressure on him and you just let those big plays happen, he will, right? So even if you put no pressure on him, he's going to just throw the check down. He won't be with the check down every single time, but just put a little pressure on him and harass him. He'll make a bad throw. Tell me. I'm just telling you. you got to put more pressure on him. They've got a good front seven, and they can do that. So that is probably my longest episode ever. That's touching the two-hour mark. This episode has taken me so long. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, again, I want to talk about the Red Sox and Dave Dombrowski next time uh and this has just been such a long episode to those of you who listen to just most of it or even all of it thank you if you just listen to the end that's totally fine you do you i wish you listened to all of it but that's up to you uh so it's such a long episode i wanted to finish this monday yesterday but i just couldn't i was literally hit the hour mark and the thing about this is it didn't just take an hour 15 minutes to uh record but five minutes of the recording got cut off because i reached like a limit. That was my bad. I had to watch about an hour of highlights, like at least 45 minutes of highlights, because although I watched most of the games already, like on Red Zone, and I watched all the other games that I could, 
I didn't stay up for the 10:30 Broncos Raiders game. I was only able to watch the end of the Cardinals Lions game and the Giants Cow- uh, Cowboys games for 4:30. I was all set on the one o'clock games, but still, it just shows like I had to watch a lot of highlights. And I don't have red zone, so for the rest of the week, it's gonna all of a sudden I'm gonna have to watch more highlights. I just got lucky. This week wasn't even a lot, but hopefully. I'll find a quicker method for next Sunday. Uh, you have to remember, hopefully, if I get an episode out Monday, I'll plan it a little better. This is just the first week. So I won't have to do the Monday night football games to attack on another, you know, 10, 11 minutes. But hopefully I can make it a little shorter for you guys because it's a little long. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm not sure I'll be able to do an episode tomorrow. going to be pretty busy again. School It's just made me really, really busy. And, you know, I just have enough time. You know, I'm max. I'll probably only able be able to do one to two in the school week. I mean, Fridays will be okay. The weekends, I'll hopefully on the weekends between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I should hopefully be able to do a podcast two of those days. But uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is gonna be really tough for me. Those are just you know the school nights. I've got a lot of homework to do. Then I have some sports here and there, so it's just it's really hard. I have sports every single day after school, and then sometimes I'll baseball. So it's just a lot on me. Just gotta understand. I this is just not a daily podcast anymore. Uh, but I, I do my best. You know, when I get a podcast out there, it's better. It's longer. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, call in on the Anchor mobile app. Download the Anchor mobile app on the App Store, Google Play, whatever you have. T- download the app. Go on the app. Type in after the buzzer sports talk. Send it a voice message. Or if you can't get the app, go on Safari. Type in after the buzzer sports talk on Anchor by, a- by Aiden Mayer on Anchor. Send it a voice message that way. Or, and also my other request, go follow me on Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, that's at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces for podcast alerts. Because again, as I say always, my schedule is inconsistent and other cool sports content and collabs. So thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you all next time.